Sports fans, and welcome to the Survivor Historians, the only Survivor podcast to feature a 20-minute discussion about Gene. My name, as always, is Mario Lanza. I don't know why I show up anymore, but this is Paul Oslison. And this is Jay Fisher. Anyone for Shuffleboard? <laughs> and we are here. This is part three of our Amazon podcast. Um, very excited about this one, as you guys have heard over and over again. This is one of our favorite seasons. There is so much to talk about. So many great characters. Such an important season. The legacy of Rob C. We're going to get all into it. Although, first off, I do have to issue an apology. And this is something that a lot of people brought up after our last show. And I have to say, you know, Paul, Jay, and myself, we are, we're all freaking men of pride. We're men of honor. And I like to think that we, we hold ourselves to a pretty high standard here on Survivor Historians. I like to think we're a little, you know, higher in the game than some of the other podcasts. But I have to apologize because during the last podcast, at one, actually at two different points, we used the word strategical. And I have to apologize to all our listeners out there because this cuts me deeply. That is a word that I hate. Yeah, we've lost all credibility now that we've thrown out the strategical word. So, I mean, not that you you probably weren't taking us seriously anyway, but now you really. I mean, you have you have concrete evidence not to uh, not to take us seriously. Embarrassed, embarrassed, pretty bad, Terry. <laughs> I have to point again. This is the this is something that's galled me for years. This word strategical. You'll you'll see it all over message boards. Any survivor discussion, people use this word. It's I mean it's thrown out there left and right. And I just have to say, we know there's no such word as strategical. The word is strategic. For some reason, in the heat of passion, it came out two times in the last podcast. I said again, this hurts me deeply that it came from our podcast. And I'm not going to name names. That which which two of us said it. I will just say that it wasn't me. <laughs> Yeah, just like uh, in the Amazon, we don't point fingers to who burned down the camp, but uh, Paul and Jay. <laughs> yeah, so we apologize, and yes, we know we were in the wrong, and we will not do that again. Our bad. <clears throat> All right, so here we are. We finished episode nine, and part three, we're going to start right up with episode ten. Anything uh, you guys have to add before we jump right into this one? Real strategical episode there. <laughs> Fuck you, Jay. We're going to see some, some very strategical episodes coming up here. <laughs> We are in the we are in the strategical middle of the season. Paul, do you have this? Do you have this like pic, mental picture of Mario like cutting his arm horizontally right now, <laughs> just like oh, they they get me those two. Oh. I'm I'm cutting, man. I'm cutting right now. Better stop. All right, we are going to go right into episode ten. This is the famous Alex episode. And before we get to this episode, I'm going to say everything I said last podcast about Dina, how she's one of the greatest, I think, most underrated greatest players of the early seasons of Survivor. I could say the exact same argument towards Alex, how I think he's one of the best underrated players in Survivor history before All-Stars. And it's one of those things that when when his name is brought up on these lists of great players that are kind of forgotten, people will always say, well, you know, he told Rob he was going to vote him out. He screwed himself over. He got himself voted out. So he sucks. And again, it's the same argument I could use with Dina. Like, just because he had one bad little moment, it doesn't disqualify everything else. This is one of those guys that I think would have stomped everyone in a jury vote had he got there. And again, he was being targeted correctly by Dina as the biggest threat in the game. So Alex is one of those guys I've had a really soft spot for over the years. Allow me to slightly disagree with you. Uh, I, think, I think you're right. I think that if Alex got to the end of the game... There's no doubt in my mind that he dusts pretty much everybody. He was, you know, super Captain America, golden boy, and people did like him. And uh, that I will say. But uh, 
underrated players, there is some serious faults in his gameplay, and we're going to come to uh, a bunch of them in this episode. But previously, just the you know the entire two episodes where you know the six days where he just took it off with Shauna and just ba- ba- bailed everyone, like you can't ignore that. That is that is huge and that is real. He just basically bailed on everyone for a girl. Yeah, I will agree with that, and I'll give you that. My point is that's not the reason people dis- discount his gameplay. They, that's a very good argument. If people use that argument, I would I would go with it. But the argument tends to be, well, he screwed himself over by talking to Rob that one morning, and that's that's the one they tend to disqualify him from any discussion of being a good player. Which is a gigantic mistake. But yes, if 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 his body of work is just that, and you're just saying he's bad because of that, that's a bonehead move, and 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 clearly he paid the price for it. But Alex's flaws, I think, go a little further than that. But I think that what can't be discounted is your statement that uh, if Alex is anywhere near the end of the game, that is very, very dangerous for everyone involved. Well, my problem with Alex is that he's just like drooling over Jenna and Heidi. (laughs) 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 My tongue is uh, hanging out of my mouth right now. Paul is so obviously trying to court the deaf vote from all of our listeners for favorite historians. So, (laughs) You whore, Paul. (laughs) I just seem like I'm not connecting. Like They're not hearing me loud and clear. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Welcome right. to the this installment of Historians. We are we are already at it. Let's see the Survivor Historians. They make inappropriate rape jokes. They make deaf jokes. You're really winning our audience over, Paul. Thank you. Just like Kimmy, nothing is taboo with us. Nothing at all. <laughs> all right. Which right, ironically so we didn't spend a shit ton of time on. Now that I think about it, like we kind of just glossed over that masturbation thing. We talked about it really quick, <laughs> but we totally went past it. So we were like, "Oh, just normal man. Who cares? Ah, oh, deaf people, get them out of here." I don't think we'd hit our stride yet with Australia, unfortunately. <laughs> That's true. Okay, I also have to say, as we're getting into this, and we are going to get into this, right? Uh, as I was rewatching the Amazon, I have to say, episode 10, the Alex boot, my favorite episode of the season, I must say. It is just great all the way through. I'm a sucker for a Survivor auction, but there's so many great little moments in this episode. Go back and watch it. There's some fun crap in here. I will argue that... Uh, these three episodes here, Dina's boot, Alex's boot, and Chrissy's boot, um, you know, one of the strongest three-episode um, you know, series we've ever had in, in the show. So yeah, so we get to this episode, and I, the one thing I, I actually wrote that in my notes too, this is a really strong series of episodes, although there's one thing I want to point out in this episode when we get there. They, they really kind of sold out their winner, and this is a complaint I've had about Amazon quite a bit, that they built Matt up a little too much as heroic, and they kind of trashed Jenna a little bit and made her look worse than she probably was. That's the this m- episode. Yeah, I underline this. Keep going. Yeah, there's there's one moment in this episode that I'll point out. I'll, you can underline this very many times, but yeah, it's, there's one moment in this episode where they really show Jenna in a negative light that they didn't have to do. Okay, so we start out. Dina's gone. Everything's great, right? Absolutely. It's just Screw that fat pot pig. <laughs> yes. Jeez. Paul's been drinking tonight. <laughs> yeah, so we, have, we start this episode with the four popular ones. You got Rob, you got Alex, Jenna, and Heidi. Which is hilarious that Rob is included in the group of the, the that group that the popular kids. But so he's there, and they're all just laying around camp and being lazy and popular and cocky, while Christy and Butch and Matt are hanging around just doing all the work. And this is where we, this is where the audience kind of starts to turn even more against uh, Rob and Alex and Jenna and Heidi. Where before they were all kind of lovable, this is where the edit starts to point out these guys are lazy and they're getting real cocky. I um I found their behavior incomprehensible. 
Matt's great. Matt Matt has so many underrated quotes. That's the thing. You don't notice them as being funny until you watch the episode. They just jump out because of the way he phrases stuff. So yes, Matt is, is finds it all incomprehensible, this behavior of the humans. Well, you see them and you see Christine. I mean, she's just like, you know, God, they don't do jack shit, you know? And like, they're just they're they're sunning themselves. I mean, that's the thing. It's not only are they not working, but they're literally just laying out in the sun. <laughs> yes. And it's funny because they're all next to each other, too. It's not like they're sunning individually. They're just laying right in the middle of camp, the four of them, where everyone can see that it's just the four of them not working. So it's it's one of the cockier moments in Survivor history, I'd well, like to There's also out. you know a great debate going back and forth between Heidi and uh, Jenna about how they're going to wear their buff at the next challenge, whether they're going <laughs> to wear it as a tube top or a skirt Yes. Yes, there's that. Although we have, uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, the, well, I'm pointing out that Matt is starting to get this great hero edit, and it's in this, it's really obvious in this one, too. And again, I just can't get over this edit that he gets, where, you know, they show the cocky people being all, you know, mean spirited and lazy and mad. Of course, they're not working hard. They do not deserve to win. Like, we're out here busting our butts, and they're so cocky. And so, it's just this, you start to feel a real sympathetic for Matt. And again, we're going to get to this more towards the end, but he's getting such an underdog sympathetic hero edit here. Yeah, Survivor is very clear when it comes to work and not work. And I've said it on previous podcasts, and I'm going to say it on future podcasts. One of the major dividers between players out there on the island, it's not so much gender for the most part, or, or race, or even you know, uh, a social class status as far as, you know, socioeconomics and stuff like that. Mainly the big difference, once everything kind of shakes out on the island, is who's working and who doesn't work. And it can go either way because there are certainly tribes where the workers take over and they're in charge. And there are tribes where the lazy people take over and they're in charge. And, you know, our winner can come from either people. It can come from, from, the, from the workers or it can come from the lazy people. But usually the success and the heroism of the tribe is dependent on, you know, where the good or the memorable players fall on that category, working or non-working. And it's like we have to show the other side as not good or evil in some way. So if, if, if our good person's on the lazy side, then the, then, the, then the workers are just seen as, like, just slave-driving, no-fun uh, people who just, you know, get up at the crack of dawn when everyone's trying to sleep and are chopping wood. You know, you, you, you can think back to so many Survivor seasons of just scenes where people are working and, you know, they're clearly working at in- inappropriate times or yelling at people for not working while everyone's, like, trying to eat rice or something like that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put, put, the, put, put, the, put the machete down. Do, you know, relax with these people for a minute. Or if our workers are the good people, then you see all the lazy people and it's really like, oh my god, these fucking people. They're just sitting around not doing anything at all. And Jenna is our winner. And Jenna is in the lazy group. But in this scene and in this episode, I defy you to, t- I defy you to tell me that the lazy people are supposed to be seen as good. I mean, they are just sunning themselves and doing nothing and having in- inane chatter. And Christy and Matt both give confessionals where they're like, my God, can we get some help? And I mean, that's not a way to paint uh, a really, really good person as being lazy. <laughs> Yeah, and I know a lot of people will argue, well, Survivor's not trying to tell a story, you know, they're just showing what happened, but that's not correct. Survivor has always told a story. They always, they've been very predictable over the years with the way they portray good and bad who you're supposed to root for. Right. And what, what strikes me about this scene is there's no reason for that scene to be in the episode. It really makes no impact on the rest of the season or what happens in this episode. All it's there to do is to trash these four lazy people and show Matt as the hero. It's, it's such an odd way that they edited this season. 
I feel that in a way, and I'm jumping ahead slightly, but right before tri- Final Tribal Council in the final episode, Dina basically is talking about Matthew and Jenna. And she says, you know, Jenna played her way to the top and Matthew worked her way to the, his way to the top. And I think that's kind of a, a storyline that's always been thrown with Matthew is that he is the hard worker. He worked around camp. So they're showing Matthew working some more and kind of going, I can't believe these people aren't working. But it's like, you didn't need this scene. We've already established that Matt works hard and catches a butt ton of fish. Like, we don't need this extra scene. It's literally just a let's trash on these four scene and unfortunately you've got jenna who's our winner and you've got rob c who is like the big character of the season uh included in this four so it was really an odd scene and when you look at it in in any context you're like what on earth is this doing here well mm-hmm. then they, they kind of just throw jenna to the wolves to it here because at least they they kind of save rob a little bit and the next segment we get is him kind of showing that he's kind of playing both sides here he's still you know, he he's, he has open communication with Matt, and he at least is aware of what's going on, whereas there's none of that with, with Jenna. I mean, Jenna just gets thrown in with Heidi and Alex as, as being lazy and worthless. You know, I've heard people talk about this before, how Amazon was told and how Jenna's winner story was told. And a lot of people will say, well, okay, her storyline is that she's spoiled, she's lazy, she's kind of a brat. Then she has a breakdown, and she rallies at the end. She gets all this strength, and she decides she's going to be confident, and and she takes out these three men, which is all well and good, but that's really not... The Survivor audience has never really been that... uh, trying to think of the right word here, but that's a very subtle storyline for Survivor, where you can't have someone who's kind of negative and weak for 11 episodes and then have a miraculous turnaround and expect the audience to root for for them. The, The audience has never really been that sophisticated, and the storytelling has never really been that sophisticated. So I think if if you're tr- just trying to think of it from the editor point of view, what they were trying to do, I believe that's what they thought would work, that people would rally behind this girl. How those three guys were so cocky at the end, she found all these reserves. She stopped being a lazy little brat. She got, became like an adult and, and took matters into her own hands and defeated them at their own game. But again, that's not how the audience saw that season. Right. But before we get there, we're going to have an auction. We're going to have an auction, yes. Before we get to the auction, I think right before the auction is where they mention that Jenna's mom is sick at home, and they mention she has cancer. Right. Which is we, that the? I think is that the, the first f- time this season that they mentioned it? I, I forget. Yeah, that yes. it is. I was thinking about that too. That it's so like they, you know, this one moment that and we'll talk about once we get to it, where really warrants way more sympathy than we are, you know, actually end up giving to this scene because of what they do with Christine, the letter, and all that, which we'll get to. Um, but, you know, that's something else that you felt like they could have included earlier to, to give us some more sympathy to, to Jenna. I mean, if we're going to dislike Jenna and Heidi, it's way easier to jump on the disliking Heidi because of all the crap she says. But this was a storyline that they maybe could have given to us earlier in the season, but, but they didn't until, you know, two minutes before she, they show up to the auction. Yeah, that's something I noticed, too. I'm like, did they mention that? Her mom was sick, and I, everyone thinks that this was a, a season-long storyline. Jenna had the sick mom at home, but... It just kind of jumped out at me that I don't think they mentioned it before this episode. And like you pointed out, that's a really odd way to milk a storyline that really could have helped their winner. I mean, not to, you know, turn something real life into just storytelling purposes, but that's a really easy way to make people sympathetic for their winner. And I don't think they really used it much. All right. So here we are at the famous uh, Amazon food auction where they're given uh, money and uh, they get to bid on food items and eventually letters from home. And I actually have to point out a... uh, a uh, reader email that I got the other day. Someone, I, I don't remember her name. I apologize. I, I would give you a shout out, but I forgot her name. But 
She said, if you listen to Jenna and Rob, you know, Jenna and Rob recorded this commentary that you can listen along with Amazon when you watch the DVDs. It's just like a, a bootleg commentary. And there's a story on there that says that the Amazon players had kind of had kind of come up with a, uh, a strategy going into this food auction that they wouldn't bid on items, so they'd keep the prices artificially low so they could all get a bunch of stuff, and they just wouldn't bid against each other. And they were saying that Probes found that out, and Probes got pissed at him and said, no, you will bid, or you're like, if, if there's no counter bid, no one's going to get any of these items. So there's a moment in the auction later where Heidi looks like she's bidding against Jenna's letter from home, but someone, this girl pointed out, no, that's actually because Probes made him do that because they had, they had tried to outwit the auction system by not bidding. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, I'd heard that story um, a long time ago, but I'd totally forgotten it until uh, till you just brought that up. But like you know, uh, Heidi right away walks away with the cheesecake without anyone bidding, and you can you can kind of hear it in Jeff's voice there. He's like, "No one else, no one else." You know, that's where they cut yeah. right then and just you know reamed him a new one. But yep, which apparently happens a lot on Survivor. You hear a lot of stories about Jeff getting pissed when the cameras are turned off and he reams the players, and so they turn the cameras back on. Yeah, I mean. That all makes perfect sense to me that, you know, that they try to outwit the game. And, you know, Jeff is 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 the host of this game. And now he's a he's an executive producer. But I mean, more than anything else, they want drama. They want something to happen. And if everyone's going to be super nice and they see an item and someone bids and everyone's going to say, oh, well, let them have that so that we go through the items. I mean, that's not yeah. what Survivor wants. That's not the point of an auction. The point of an auction is to create some controversy. And this is actually something that I think Modern Survivor has a weird leg up on. Not that I think that Modern Survivor is great in, in all these other idioms, but, you know, the just the the because there's all these idols and other stuff in there like the fact that there's a clue to an idol or an advantage in an upcoming challenge not that I'm a big fan of those but you know things like that will make sure that people will bid or hold back or something like that like if it's just food and it's just like will I get a dud item or not that's 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 less here and there but uh Heidi gets this cheesecake it's a really shitty looking cheesecake but I guess beggars can't be choosers at this point yes <laughs> And then right, Alex, so Alex with the with the dud item too. He gets the manioc, which is fine. It's okay. It's great because he he likes this stuff. And I love the whole. He kind of goes back. He's like trying to kind of put on this fake like happy you know attitude that he he could have won this lasagna, but instead he got the manioc. And it's like, hey, I got screwed, but whatever. And then Jenna just goes, oh, wh- whatever, okay. Like she kind of plays along with it, like not really picking up on the fact that he's really pissed off. She's like, okay, yeah, whatever. I smiled because I actually identify with that. That's something that I do. Like, if I'm super upset and I'm in front of a group and I don't want to let them know that I'm super upset uh, with something, even though everyone would feel that I would be well within my rights to be, I usually kind of play it off. They're like, no, no, it's cool. It's fine. It's okay. It's okay. You know, the the waitress totally screwed up my order. I ordered a cheeseburger and she gave me, uh, you know... Uh, tacos, but you know, I, you know, really, maybe I wanted that anyway, and you know, I kind of do that sort of thing. So he's just t- talking his way all the way to the back, and I'm like, oh, poor Alex, you could have had a big old lasagna. You know, it sounds Jay like you kill people with sarcasm, and the reason I say this is because I don't think this will fit in anywhere else in uh, the entire podcast. So I have to bring it up now is that I finally watched all the pregame interviews that came on that Saturn DVD that we talked about. It's on oh, the, yeah. the actual official DVD, and I watched the uh, interview that Mario was talking talking about with Matthew about how he's this totally different guy. I watched that thing. I said, who the hell is this guy? Why did this guy not show up to the show? Um, but in there, he, he goes on and on. He goes, I am very sarcastic. I kill people with sarcasm. <laughs> and he said, he goes, I am so good. At it. I'm going to have to hold back because sometimes I will just zing somebody and they won't realize it until an hour, a day, a week later. 
and then they realize that I got them. I'm like, like Matthew's like the least like sarcastic, funny guy of the season. There's so many times that Rob makes these jokes that go right over you know Matthew's head because he takes things way too seriously. So I uh, I just wanted to make that comparison that that you you and Matthew are all about killing with sarcasm. But here's a, here's a tip for you, Paul. If you ever want to try to be a comedian, if you have a if you're a comedian, like you're doing a stand up show, and you tell a joke and nobody in the audience gets it until a week later, it's not a good joke. <laughs> I'm just no, saying. I'm just throwing joke. it out there. It's the best kind of joke. It's it's a show that lasts a week. You know, you paid to go to that one show and you're laughing a week later. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're getting through the food auction here and you know nothing really that significant shows up until the end of the auction when the letters from home come out. How dare Oh yes. This- how, no, no, how dare you say that nothing significant came up? Butch got scrambled eggs, bacon and a bed. God I was going I was just going to interrupt and say Mario, you're missing Butch's bed. You guys have way more of a boner for Butch than I do. I don't get it. I actually just like jumping on board now with Jay now, but I always did love that. It's like the most ridiculous thing ever that he wins his breakfast and you go, you get something else for it. You know, where where do you like to have this breakfast, Butch? And he gives a serious answer. Well, I'd like to have it with my, you know, with my wife and my, he goes, what, what, in bed? And he says, well, I'd like to, but that doesn't happen very much. No, Butch, it's happening right now. Here's a bed. It's it's Jeff not not being able to to prompt something in the auction. I just wanted him afterwards in my head after he pulled the bed out. And Butch was like, oh, great, great, a bed. Thank you. And Jeff goes, you know what's good with pancakes and bed? Margaritas. (laughs) American. (laughs) And I forgot our Jan jokes. Those were fun. Okay. Anything else? Perchance that I may have missed, Jay. No, go to the Christie letter now. Just do it. All right. We get to now a scene that almost anybody who watched Survivor at the time would remember the scene. It 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 lodges itself right in your brain. This is one of those scenes that people talked about for years. In my column, when I used to write my weekly column, I even uh, titled this episode "The Deaf Girl Took My Letter." Oh, this is that one of those scenes that just infuriates people and. Honestly, Jenna never could have recovered after this episode. This is one where they just completely threw her to the wolves, and it was horrible. Oh, where to start with this? <laughs> All right, let's let's paint the picture for people. A lot of people might not have watched the episodes lately where, you know, people have been bidding on food, and Christy has been holding back all her money. She hasn't bid or hasn't won anything up to this point. Maybe, well, she, maybe she didn't understand the rules of the auction. I'm not sure. Uh, no garlic bread, Mario. <laughs> yeah, no, no garlic bread. That's right. I'm sorry. So anyway, Christy's been holding back her money for the big killer item at the end. And here it comes. It's some love from home, letters from your loved ones back home. And they mention this, and Jenna audibly gasps. She's like, (gasps) because, I mean, as we, of course, this season-long storyline that we just found out about 10 minutes ago, Jenna's mother is sick and dying, has staged three or four cancer. She's, you know, Jenna left with her mom in in pretty bad straits, so... She would like to hear how her mom's doing, so this is a big deal for Jenna, except Jenna just doesn't have the money to outbid Christy because Christy hasn't bid a single cent yet. So Christy, of course, wins the letter from home, and it's a really nice, touching moment because, you know, Christy has been ostracized. She's been here in the, in the hearing world for all these, all these, year, all these month, or days now, and she's misses home. So she gets her letter from home. It's a big, sweet moment. And then Jenna starts crying, and then Heidi starts crying. And this is when, again... My mom or my 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 mom, my wife cannot stand Jenna and Heidi. And this is one scene I was watching it just yesterday. And she just walks through and she sees this letter from home scene and she just starts cursing under her breath because she hates it so much. Because here come the waterworks from Jenna and Heidi that Jenna didn't get her letter to. And this is where 
something happens that many people took offense to at the time in the audience. It's a weird scene. I, I'm, 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 I just watched it again. I've seen it several times. There almost are no words through the whole thing because you can clearly understand Jenna's plight and, and, and where she's coming from. Uh, Jenna, you know, not that I understand, you know, her mother's illness and stuff like that. I mean, that is that is a terrible thing to go through. Uh, but the fact that, you know, all Jenna really wants is just some word from home. And here it is. And the problem is that this is in a context from a game where everybody wants to hear from their loved one in some form because everyone's been without their loved one for 28 days now. And so, and, and here's Christy, who, you know, in, in the context of these 28 days, uh, family notwithstanding, Christy has had a really rough patch here with people, you know, ostracizing her and her just kind of being a little bit on the outs. So she could really use uh, a, a friendly face or, or, or a friendly word uh, from, from one of her friends now. So Christy's really gunning for this, too. But it's like with these external things. So you can understand Jenna, you can understand Christy, but then you look at the rules of the auction and it's bid the highest. And Christy did. Absolutely. And again, I, we have to reiterate this again. This, I mean, the players all knew Jenna has a mom who was sick at home. They've known this since day one. This is a big part of Jenna's storyline, her character, what people know about her. As an audience, we didn't know this until like 10 minutes before this. So it was, it seems very shallow, kind of, like because you haven't had time to process kind of Jenna's, Jenna's storyline yet. And it's just so weird that, you know, Jenna starts doing the pouty face and Jeff's like, all right, we'll do another letter for, so Jenna can get her loved one from home. And it's this big emotional moment, but that's not the way it plays on TV at all. No. And it's it's kind of weird. I kind of, I specifically try to see the kind of choices that they make and how they present it. Because I think probably in reality, the way it played out there, it did not feel the way it felt to us. It did not feel like, I mean, we do get that one question with Matthew saying that, um, that Jenna was being selfish. But I mean, in a lot of ways, if you just watch Jenna's pure reaction, she's trying to, I mean, she's, cause she's bawling here. She's covering her face. She's saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry here. But then they purposely, they, they show some scenes like right at the end of the auction, they kind of showed that Jenna give this face, which I'm sure was not actually the face she gave at the end of the auction, where she kind of looks like, ha ha, got my way. And yes. they, you know, they show some, and even when they go back to camp, they show this quote that's completely out of context. I try to think about that quote. I don't even know what that's about, but they have, saying this quote that said i was surprised that she did it but not really that quote yeah. could be about anything but they, they really try to make it show like jenna was mad that christy bid on the letter which we never heard jenna say that she was you know mad that that christy took the letter over her but that's definitely the feeling that we're supposed to get from the scene so uh, this is another example of the complex editing story that goes on with jenna and christy um on this season yeah, and what you mentioned, the, the face. This is exactly what I was mentioning in my, pre, my pre-podcast notes here, that there's one thing I want you to just underline, underline, underline. It's after that Jenna, she gets her letter from Green. She gets a letter after Christy got one. They're fading out from the scene, and they cut to Jenna, and this is exactly what Paul was talking about. She's got the smuggest little grin on her face, like, ha, ha, I got my letter too. And there is absolutely no reason that should be in the episode. And that's, I have never understood what problem the editors had with Jenna, why they would do that to their winner. And that is in any other season they wouldn't have done that. And you could you could sit here and throw out theories left and right. Why was this season edited the way it was? And I always think you know it's out there, but a lot of good theories are out there. Like this is one of those seasons where everyone knew the final two and that Jenna kind of won. This was one the season the first season that was really spoiled. And sometimes I think maybe they just tried to throw the viewers off. Like, well, you think you know who won? No, you don't. We're going to mess with you in the editing. So I mean. 
there's a lot of complex stuff going on in Amazon here, and I don't know the answer to any of this stuff. It's just you can throw out theories left and right, but that's just one thing that comes to my head. Maybe, maybe they're just trying to mess with the storyline that's so obvious to most of the audience that they're trying to make you doubt it. Oh, maybe Jenna doesn't win. Maybe she actually loses the jury vote or something like that. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I said, well, well, we'll continue talking about this, you know, how the story of Jenna, you know, evolves here because we're going to get to the point here where we kind of start you know, where, where we will, you know, be on Jenna's side, but it's almost like this episode, we're really supposed to be against Jenna, Heidi, and Alex, you know, to build up to Alex's downfall, but then things are going to kind of start shifting and how we're supposed to feel about Jenna. So it's a very quick up and down turnaround with, uh, with how Jenna is portrayed in this season. And by the way, just to build one more thing on what I just said, you could almost look at it this 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 season isn't even told from Jenna's point of view. You could even say, well, they just told this story from Christie's point of view. And then it all makes sense why they edited stuff. So again, just another theory. Like, I have no idea why some of these shots and things and confessionals, like Matt's confessional about Jenna being selfish were in there. There's just, it just, it boggles my mind, some of the stuff in this season. All right, so we get past the food auction. You know, they go home, they uh, celebrate, then the next morning, there's this maybe the most, you could make the argument, this is maybe the most pivotal moment in the entire season with Alex and and and, uh, and Rob just kind of hanging out and Don just chatting. And this is where Alex makes his fatal mistake where he says, well, you know, when we get down to the final four, Rob, it's going to be me, you, and the two girls. And obviously the two girls are going to vote for each other, aren't going to vote for each other. So they're a block. So it's really going to be me and you. And so Alex says maybe, I mean, obviously to his detriment, I think at that point I'm just going to vote for you because that's the way it's going to have to be. So, And I think in Alex's mind, he thinks he's doing a favor for a friend. They're just being honest. This is how it's going to go. I'm just letting it know. And and Rob, of course, once does not want to hear that whatsoever. And this is kind of where the whole game changes for about, what, the 10th time already this season? But it's about to flip right on its head. It's it's an incredible scene. And, and yeah, you can look at it from Alex's point of view. And, you know, I've I've already said that I don't put Alex as, you know, greatest pre-merge or, you know, early season forgettable. I, I don't really put him there because I think Alex has made a, has, has a lot of flaws. But uh, in this one where I guess people call it his fatal flaw, this this conversation with Rob, and certainly it's the catalyst to him going out more than anything else. So, I mean, that I cannot deny. But, uh, you know, he's just kind of musing things out. He's thinking about the final four, right? If, it, if the final four is Alex, Rob, Heidi, and Jenna, he's like, Heidi and Jenna are never going to vote for each other because they're just stubborn like that. And he's like, so... You know, it just goes to show that they're going to be a voting block. So really, we're just going to go 2-2 and pick a rock, or one of us is going to vote for the other because they're this solid block. And if I win immunity, then you're basically on the other end. And if you win immunity, then I'm on the wrong end. I mean, he he kind of, you know, kind of did the table turn the other way. But he, you know, the flaw is that he went to Rob C. and basically says, look, man, if I win immunity at four, you're out. And... You know, we see that Jenna's a threat to win immunity later in the game if that were to play out. And I guess Heidi was never really good at challenges. But, you know, Alex and and Rob could certainly have done it. But uh, you never really know what's going. But the problem is, is that he told Rob. And Rob is extremely capable of being able to get people to vote with him. And uh, you probably don't want to reveal that right away. Yeah. And again, I always have to point out that Alex doesn't specifically tell Rob he's gonna, I'm going to vote you out. He's just kind of laying out the scenario of what will probably happen right. down the road. So, again, I, I, I know you and I think differently about Alex, but I have to defend him. Like Alex doesn't flat out just make this horrible suicidal blunder here. This is just kind of him thinking out loud and not realizing the danger of who he's telling it to. 
and Alex, even after the fact, even on his his exit interview, his um, his earlier show vin- uh, interview on how everything goes down, he never is bitter at all, and he and he stands by the fact that he said he goes, I was just doing what I would do with any friend. He's like, when I when I compete in triathlons. You know, I share my, you know, I share tips with my buddies about about training and whatnot. And I was just playing the game with someone who thought who I thought was my friend. And I shared, you know, my thought process. My I was giving him the heads up that I would have given anyone. And he 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 played the game differently, which is fine. But that's just how I played the game. So you know, we we see that a lot in this early season. These people, you know, trying to find a mix between people who are playing the game and people who could play the game well but still hold on to their character and they're you know really trying to to maintain how they compete outside of the game and Alex I think is a perfect example of that so you can like I don't I agree I mean I'm I'm kind of I'm more on Jay's side as far as you know evaluating Alex as a great player because I wouldn't put him in that great of a category but he I mean considering the game that he decided to play he played it very well and to say that he made this huge blunder yeah it cost him the game and stuff but that's going against the way he's playing the game so it it kind of is one of those things where well what else was he supposed to do that was the way he decided that he was going to run the course of the game yeah I mean it's a blunder that people will make uh seasons going on I mean it's just it's one of those uh uh moral things that you kind of have to deal yourself with. I mean, a lot of people get upset when they're at Final Tribal Council. You know, like Helen, last season in, in Thailand, was upset at Brian because she basically said, why didn't you tell me I was going? You know, why didn't you give me forewarning? Why didn't you say, H, I was going? And the reason Brian didn't is because of this very reason. If you tell me, then, uh, you know, or if I tell you, then maybe you can scramble. You know, maybe maybe you can do something mm-hmm. about it. You know, in Vanuatu, it's kind of like the whole thing where they tell Eliza that she's on the bottom of the uh, of of their pecking order. I mean, it's you know, sometimes people just say, "I'm playing this honorable way, and this is how I do things," and I totally uh, dig that. And I think that's really cool that Alex is like, "Look, I'm a triathlete, and I'm sharing my tips with my you know opponents, competitors, and that sort of stuff," just because you know he plays this honorable. Hey, let's all just beat each other at our own game. Iron sharpens iron. I swim with. Amazons down the or pygmies down the Amazon River, but you know, you give someone like Rob that little bit of inkling that maybe you're not going with him, and he's going to do something about it. And so it's always a double-edged sword. You can sit there and say, "Hey, why didn't you warn me?" But now we know why people don't warn people. Exactly, K Garnet Garnet. What to do? Hey, hey, sports fans. That's right. Um, okay, just one more last thing on this. Do you think there was any chance Alex ever would have been voted out if this conversation hadn't happened? I'm just curious. I mean, even if the conversation didn't happen, I feel like Rob was, you know, smart enough of a player to, you know, to realize the way things were going to shake out. And I doubt that Rob would have gone to the Final Four in a situation where he still felt like, well, that the three of them really could gang up on me when he has people like Christy, Matthew, and Butch who are all very willing to work with him and, you know, aren't aren't as tight-knit of a group as those three are. So, I mean, I guess that would be a question for Rob to answer, but I I don't think he would have... If, if, if Even if Alex had not had the conversation, I feel like it would have been, you know, a pure... It, it would come out sooner or later... What, how the end game was going to shape if the four of them did, in fact, go to the final four. Rob is in a unique position because he has Matthew and he has Butch by proxy. So Rob has got these two votes in his back pocket, but they're not included in Alex, Jenna, and Heidi. And he can't necessarily control Alex, Jenna, and Heidi. And, you know, they're strong personalities. And Christie's just kind of out there. So you, I guess you're right, Mario. I mean, 
Rob is kind of in this in this uh, cross here at seven. You know, which way do I go here? And uh, he decides to go with kind of the you know the bottom feeding kind of alliance because that's what he does. But you're right. I mean, if he, if if nothing is said, I mean, who goes home then? I mean, obviously Alex and Jenna and Heidi wanted Matthew gone, but you think Rob would have allowed that? I don't think so. He he knew from day one or early on in the game. He knew Matthew. I think was his ace in the hole. His 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 final two goats. So I don't know. Rob was in a really tough spot right here in this vote because he doesn't want Matt to go, but he doesn't want to lose his threesome and screw them over and you know lose all their jury votes. So it's I'm almost very sympathetic to him in this episode because Rob was kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Either way, he was between a rock and a hard stone. And he and- was. What is he going? Yeah, you're right. What is he going to do? Because ultimately, the swing here is Christy. Because Rob has Matthew and Butch, and Alex, Jenna, and Heidi are a trio, right? So Christy is the tipping point. So let's say, and 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 Rob doesn't want to lose Matthew, and he probably doesn't want to lose Butch. So if if he's going to vote with Alex and Jenna and Heidi on someone, the vote has to be Christy. So yeah. if Christy goes home, then it's uh. Six people left, and then it's basically Rob, Matthew, Butch, and Alex, Jenna, Heidi. Now it's a tie. So now he's got to swing somebody over, and that just gets really, really complicated from then on out. Yeah, it's really, I mean, you look at it from this point on in the game, all Rob can do is lose Jerry votes. Unfortunately, that's kind of the the situation he's set himself up in. And we'll get to this kind of more in the end. Could Rob have won Survivor? How close did he come to winning Amazon? And I've heard Rob himself has actually changed his story over the years, where he'll say sometimes, oh, yeah, I was... I had a good chance to win, and other times he'll flat out say, no, I wasn't that close to winning because he'd pissed too many people off. So but you'll kind of see here, he's played so well and has so many options at this point that almost all he can do is lose jury votes. But we will get to that more. I don't want to jump too far ahead. All right, let's, uh, let's skip ahead. I don't want to get hung up too much on this episode. So Alex and Rob have the conversation. Alex, I think, at the time had no idea that he even threatened Rob whatsoever. I thought he was just, you know, sharing info. Rob, of course, is spooked, runs right to Matt. And this is where and there's, there's a great scene here where Rob goes, I told him this is maybe the most important conversation of the game. And then we immediately cut to Matt saying, this, we had maybe the most important conversation. <laughs> of the game. That was great. That's a, that's a good little editing trick. But it was a great conversation because Rob's just basically like, look, I'm going to come clean. I have been bullshitting you this entire time. Yep. Yeah, he just goes and he spills his guts to Matt. He says, okay, here's what I've been doing. Here's why it's worked. Here's why it will not work anymore. And this is why I need your help, Matt. And he spills his guts. And Matt, of course, you know, Matt, it, Matt I'm sure Matt must have suspected Rob at times. And I think this is very refreshing to Matt that Rob is telling him that stories that couldn't possibly be made up at this point. Like, all this probably rings so true to him. He's like, all right, now we're talking. Now Rob is finally being honest. And now, you know, we're going to get rid of Alex tonight. And, and then... Matt has that great quote thinking about how how cocky and rude these other three are. I'm sure Paul knows this quote right off the top of his head. Uh, it's all with Matthew. It's always like, uh, what big words is he going to uh, to throw out <laughs> next, or which which words have we not used in ten years that he's going to throw into uh, yeah. into random speech? This exact quote was, "I was appalled at their audacity." <laughs> <laughs> like i said i mean i swear like that's probably how, i think that's how i learned those two words i mean survivor had a big you know had a big role in shaping my vocabulary i was appalled at their audacity that they and he goes on to say it's just the way he talks so slowly and just enunciates every one of these words it's great we could have so much fun with this jay that paul learned to speak english from watching survivor <laughs> I'm trying to just think of, you know, like know. Little, little quotes that we can get in there for for some reason. <laughs> like, you know, 
someone asks if they want a game, you know, he just basically says, yes, for immunity. <laughs> On my go. Start class. All right. Uh, if you guys, we don't have time to brainstorm this. If you guys on Twitter have any good jokes of Paul learning English from watching Survivor, just make sure to tweet us and we'll, we'll appreciate them. Do you think that if like the eight kids that live in Montana come to his door for <laughs> Halloween, you know, and, and they, they ring the doorbell and he like answers the door with like, you know, the bowl of candy and just goes, want to know what you're playing for? <laughs> Smart. <laughs> I like to think he talks like Gene a lot. Yeah, that's that's definitely it. All right, so here we go. This is really where Amazon kicks into its final gear, and this is my favorite gear of the season. This is the, I always call this the uh, Dr. Sesternino and Matthew Von Frankenstein <laughs> part of the season where Rob has created this monster, the survivor playing monster. He's trained him, he's taught him everything, and now he has to rely on Matthew to carry him the rest of the way, that Rob must con- relinquish control over to his monster, his creation. And this is where we're going to go the rest of the season. This is the two to watch, Rob and Matt. Yes, but we also get. Uh, I always like this immunity challenge. I don't know why they don't do this more. Uh, I do want to, to point this out. This is the immunity challenge where they have to ask, answer the questions about everyone. I guess they don't do it anymore because ultimately they learn the game and learn how, sort of how to answer these questions. Uh-huh. But uh, it's sort of new at this point in the Amazon, so they all get it. And Rob has the great line of, "All right, we all got it. We all got the SATs delivered to us." Where they have to go off and do the. Uh, uh, they have to answer the questions like, you know, who, who would you trust with your life and who would you do this? And we get a nighttime immunity challenge where we get to answer the questions. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And it's got that cute little moment where Heidi thinks that Jenna is gorgeous and Jenna thinks Heidi is gorgeous. And Rob's like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's who would you like to see pose nude? And yeah. everyone, everyone says Heidi except for Jenna, right? Or Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they then- say each other. And there's some great ones then that, you know, Jenna wins the one of uses sex appeal as a weapon. And um, he says, but this, this can't be new to you, right? Being young, attractive. She's like, well, maybe not intentionally, but maybe on accident. And he's like, there you go. Said with a smile. The smile. That's a thing. Oh, probes. All right. And this is where, of course, Rob Sesternino wins his, I believe, only immunity in Survivor history. Yeah, he's not going to be around for individual and all stars, so he's got to get true. it now. <laughs> yeah, let's let's point out he wasn't around that long. <laughs> no, yes, no, it. we love you, Rob. We really do. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah, get. So he we'll, the... We will get to all stars in due time and talk about how incredibly uncool that was for you. But uh, yes, all stars. Yeah. All right, so Rob wins the immunity carrots and he puts them around his neck, and this is where it all kind of comes to a head because. I forget if it's before the challenge or after where Rob goes to Christy now and tries to pull her in as their yeah. fourth. Yeah, so he's like, hey, do you want to get revenge against the pretty girls? And Christy's like, fuck yeah. So basically, <laughs> that's that conversation. She bugged the fuck out. It was great. She's like, dude, <laughs> I am so ready. <laughs> <laughs> and I love. Yeah. I always love the line about what she says to him is that, shoot, yeah, she, she wants to get rid of Alex because she doesn't feel he plays fair personally. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I love that that's her rationale, Joe, because I, I don't think he plays fair personally. I thought it was because he drooled. I that's thought we the, had that. That's, she tells in the confessional that, um, that, they're drooling over, that he drools over Heidi and Jenna, but right to Rob's face, she says that, because uh, I don't think he plays fair personally. Oh, okay. But then I, the drooling comes later. Yes. I've, I've, I've made some jokes at Christie's expense in the last couple podcasts. I have to say, though, Christie in confessionals is a gem. And it is really 
I find myself feeling shorted at times because, you know, she had some great zingers, you know, that Joanna zinger with the year of Vesla Christ. Shouldn't you be nicer? And she has these like great ones. And like in this episode and in, in her boot episode, the next one, she's got some really, really animated, great confessionals. And, and at certain times during the season, we almost don't hear from her very much. Uh, you know, no pun intended, but like she, and it's like, man, I really feel like, you know, Christy could have, you know, if she were on a more modern season, you know, with her being kind of that X Factor loony kind of character, she would get like a million confessionals. And I bet you they'd all be really funny. Yeah, she was a great character. I got to give credit where credit's due. She's really funny and very sharp. And her observations are generally dead on, too. So, I mean, I got to give her props. She was a great character. All right. So we get to Tribal Council. This is where. Rob, of course, turns on Alex, votes out all his friends, basically burns all his bridges with his, his uh, with Jenna, Heidi, Alex, that whole group, the rest of the game. Although, I have to point out, before the vote, there's a great quote where, again, I, I'm always pointing out things that Rob did that no one had ever done on Survivor before. And there's a great quote in this episode where he explains at Tribal Council what Survivor is all about. And he says it's interpersonal relations. And he's saying it's not really what you what you think it is, where it's people getting along. It's basically you have to know what's going on in everyone else's head at every point in the game. You have to know what's best for them. And that's such a really mature way of looking at Survivor. And again, no one had really phrased it that way before. Brian had kind of gone in that direction a little bit, where you, you're a salesman. You have to know what they want. But Rob was really good at explaining to the audience how Survivor works. And again, this was a point where most of the audience didn't really grasp that yet. This was kind of the stage where you would just align with your friends, you'd write out the numbers to the end, and Rob is right here verbalizing, no, there's, there's a simple way to be good at Survivor, just know where everyone stands at every point, and you have to have enough of a working relationship to be able to work with that if you need it. So I have to give him props right there. It happens right before the Alex vote. I'm going to give him a ton of props later, because I know we're going to talk about him a lot. But uh, yes. And, uh, but yeah, Alex is gone. Paul, Alex, Go. Well, I'm glad he wasn't around to drool on anyone else anymore. But, um, <laughs> but you know, the thing that I found interesting about it is that it, even in his closing interviews, he says that, he's like, I, I think it was probably Rob, but I always thought that was interesting that, that, you know, it was enough of a blindside that Alex didn't, like, say, oh, for sure it was Rob. There still was a, a question in his mind. And, and in his ex interview, he alludes to the fact that, um, you know, that someone turned on me. So he's not even convinced right away that it was Rob. So I think that's mm-hmm. even more of a testament to how, you know, what a good Alliance member Rob was, the fact that he could turn on Alex and he didn't know for sure if it was, in fact, Rob. Yep, absolutely. And I've already said my piece about Alex. I think he's one of the more... Maybe I'm overstating by saying he's one of the greatest players, you know, that didn't win, but he's absolutely one of the more uh, significant players of the early seasons that nobody ever talks about. So I just wanted to make sure we we talked about him a little bit here in well, this, great, this episode. Greatest greatest move he ever made was uh, marrying Kim Powers. So that's what I'll say. Smart. Yes, we've alluded to the fact <laughs> that Alex and Kim Powers from Survivor Africa are married. Uh, good for them um but i i will agree with the fact that i think that alex was alex was a major player in survivor amazon and he doesn't get talked about very much you know usually when people talk about amazon they talk about obviously rob and then it's like jenna heidi and then we you know then then christy and it's like i feel like and then and then even though we've we've talked about how a how much of a crime it is that dina has not been brought back for anything and how much we love dina dina then gets kind of talked next and it's like matthew and uh Alex sort of gets swept under the rug, and it's sort of a shame because they were big, dynamic characters in the season. I'm still not going to say I think Alex is good at the game of Survivor, but he's a huge character in the season, and uh, and and all props to him. 
And unfortunately, Alex's big fatal flaw with, with Kim Powers when he mentioned to her, you know, when you turn 50, I'm going to divorce you. And you can't tell them ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. <laughs> well, I, I don't know how old you are, Kim, but, uh, you know, when, when, when you turn 50, I'm going to divorce you. But if I turn 50, uh, you know, you, you can divorce me. You know, I understand. I mean, you know. Blindside. <laughs> All right. All right, so there we go. We finished the Alex episode, and we go right into arguably even a better episode, the Christie episode. Well, what's fun about the Christie episode that we're going to talk about here is the fact that we do end up with this huge strategic blindside. Um, but throughout the episode, it's it's a very it's it's fun in the sense of we get to see a bunch of these survivors drunk. We get to uh, meet their family members. There's a lot more emotion. There's some uh, one of the you know best um you know fights of you know the early seasons of survivor between jen and rob so there's a lot going on and then just the cherry on top is that additional blindside we we get at the end it isn't like the entire episode is you know who's who's gonna go next who's gonna who's gonna flip the vote here it kind of it kind of comes really quickly which i i didn't really notice till this last time about how what a quick what a quick turn of events it is um that chris ends up leaving at the end of this episode but yeah a lot of fun stuff to cover in this episode what happens at the start of this episode is we get, again, I got to point out, a lot of people have criticized Rob C. over the years for saying, you know, he was totally snowed by the girls. They just, he played, you know, played with his dick. He didn't, he didn't care about Survivor. He just wanted to be with the hot girls. But there's a really funny quote here at the start of the episode where he's giddy. He's like, Jenna and Heidi are going to have to kiss my ass now. And I think that's really telling. Like, Rob at no point ever lost sight of the fact that he was playing Survivor, even when, you know, he'd flirt with the girls and stuff. But like, at this point, he just thinks it's hilarious. He's like, I don't care if they are cute girls. They have to kiss my ass now. I just think it's funny that he's he can even keep his head on the prize, even with these cute girls around, that he realizes at this point that the tables have turned on them. And well, he's going to... <laughs> Go ahead. It's good that Heidi didn't say anything, because if she would have said anything, she would have had every single curse word come out of her mouth. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and for some reason, for older, fatter women who don't curse, that's just like a huge problem for that's them. That's just like a huge deal. <laughs> Heidi knew. Heidi knew that if she if she opened her mouth, she would instantly. <laughs> she knew yell instantly out some curse words would come out. <laughs> instantly. <laughs> I love that you know Heidi goes into this little crying fit here and saying that Butch wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. Go <laughs> like, oh, Heidi. Yes, you are. You have been the main strategist up to this point. You have steered the course of this game up until that vote. Let's 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 stay let's let's save for the you know let's all just dogpile on Heidi here um, and for her boot because she has some real fun singers in that one. But yeah, at the beginning here, Jenna and and Heidi are just pissed at Rob and Rob's you know he understands that they're upset. Uh, but I think that you know this episode is going to illustrate I think some of the most beautiful Survivor play you could ever see, and it's going to come from Rob. Uh, and I you know that there there are a couple times you know. People have put together like an entire comprehensive season of Survivor that's almost beautiful to watch in its way. But certain players have done something that is just nearly flipping impossible. And yeah, see, you know, situations and timing help out a bit. But still, you have to have the skill to pull it off. And Rob C. being able to get Jenna and Heidi to vote with him three days after completely betraying them is a work of art. It is yes. fantastic, and you get to see how that happens through this episode. And I feel like the editing in this episode, it's sort of at the expense of Christie's boot, because Paul said it right. It's sort of just like a truck that hits her right at the end. Uh, but but this episode's less about the Christie boot and just more about just this beautiful gameplay by Rob. So let's get into it. 
Yeah, and uh, although I point out, it, it, you think it comes out of nowhere, but if you watch this episode, there's a good hint right at the start of the episode when Christy's getting super cocky. She's like, oh, I just want to last longer than the girls now. Hmm, should I, should I go with the girls and win the game, or should I go with Rob and just be the last girl standing? What should I do? And she's getting real cocky at this point. It's, so there's a little hint at the start of the episode that this might not end well for Christy. Yes, also, this is a tip. This is one of these survivor tips. You know, learn to learn, to learn not. You know, if everyone's working, work. If everyone's not working, don't work. You know, we're, we're trying to get these tips, these survivor historian tips. One of them is, if you are indeed the swing vote... Don't say it out loud in front of other people. Yes, <laughs> for the love of God, keep it to yourself. And we'll get to that with Big Tom in particular in All Star. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we're way behind time, so let's get going here. Okay, so this is the uh, this is the loved ones visit where uh, the lo- they do the reward challenge. They paddle around, and the winner gets a visit with their loved one. Yeah, and Matt if wins from like the start of the of, of the thing like it's like he takes a lead right at the beginning and then it's the next th- four minutes of the of the episode is just matt is beating everyone by just a mile so yeah, good they, for matt they all like fall out of their canoes and stuff and <laughs> matt's already on the last leg yeah it just turns into you know matt's putting the puzzle together and christy and jen are trying not to drown <laughs> all right so matt wins the reward challenge and then he gets the visit from home he gets to visit his mom and and jeff says you know is it do you find it's better to give or receive? And and Matt says something long-winded and pretentious. And then, and then Jeff says, well, if you give up your family visit, everyone else can get it. And, of course, Matt, because he's, again, i got to point out, our hero of the season, our beloved winner hero, says, well, of course I'll give it up so everyone else can have their visit. They deserve their visit. And everyone's like, oh, Matt. And, and this is where we get this one quote. And this is the one that always galled me back when this season aired, where they show Rob saying, uh, uh, Matt is becoming because he gave up that visit. You know, it's I don't I don't know if he's beatable in the final two anymore. He's becoming too good of a player to take to the final two. And this is this is the one that really rattled a lot of people that made predictions back at the time. Like, why would you say that about a guy who's about to get decimated in a jury vote? That's a really odd confessional to have in there. It's an odd confessional to have, but also not only is it the hero edit of Matthew, but from what we know of Matthew and what we've heard of Matthew all the way through. I mean, yes. It, it's probably the logical choice in this in this sense to give up your own uh, visit so that everyone else can have one. That's just a good strategic move. I'm not going to deny that fact. But, I mean, did you think for one second that Matt was going to say, no, nah, fuck y'all, I'm going to see my mom? No, he's way too strategical to do that. And he liked feeling like God for that moment. <laughs> he did. I was going to point out, yes, he gets to feel like God for one moment. He did that thing that makes him feel like God. Yeah, so everyone's family member comes out. Uh, you know, Jenna's father comes out, and uh, Rob's mother. And, and another uh, hit, Christy tells her boyfriend she's going to win. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You know what's funny? I was watching this episode. I remembered that visit with the parent of the loved ones from being as being more significant. I was shocked when, yeah, it's only 10 minutes long. They only had 10 minutes to sit there, and then Rob stands up and gives a toast, and that must have lasted two minutes. They're like, shut up, Rob, we only have eight minutes now. Yeah, also Jeff Probst's dick moment, because he's like, you get 10 minutes, and then just like, hey guys, gather around, let's break out the wine. It's like, break out the wine? Holy shit, 10 minutes, Jeff! <laughs> yeah. That's why, Matthew, well, all... that's why Matthew warns his mother when she comes that he's just been downing some wine. Yes. Although there's a great moment there, just a little character moment where Rob's mom shows up and Rob's like, I've done some very bad things. And she's like, I'm shocked. Yeah, I'm shocked. <laughs> and at the same time, we don't see it, but we hear about it later. But, you know, Heidi told her mom that she had been really good and had given up a lot of things for other people. 
<laughs> like what? <laughs> like what? You called you called the women fat at your camp. <laughs> you made fun of the deaf girl. Heidi Heidi gave them her presence. And you can never, ever discount that. You know, when Heidi saw her mom there, she knew instantly that was the woman who gave birth to her. Instantly. <laughs> instantly. <laughs> what a high IQ that one. Higher than the rocket scientists, they tell us that. Yes, we learned that later. Yeah. All right, Matt, so uh, yeah, Matt gets to go see the uh, gets gets his own private feast, and he gets chicken. Yeah, he gets to go with his mom, and this is a moment I, I put on the funny one fifteen, and I don't know, I don't know if this one really warranted an entry, but it's just always a favorite of mine. Where, you know, Matt starts doing his douchey, pretentious shit with his mom, and she's like, "Don't be so formal," which I always thought was just funny to have his mom smack him down. It is a funny little moment. But that gets on the funny one fifteen, and uh, you know Butch's believe in yourself banner does not get the funny one fifteen. But Butch really did believe in himself, and he wanted others to as well. <laughs> yeah, I always I always felt Matthew's mom was really lame, so I'm more on your side, Jay. That's yeah. fine. It's it's just a cute little. I'm not, I wouldn't even say it's that funny. It's just a cute moment where you know this crazy ass guy who's sharpening his machete. They're all terrified of him. He's all pretentious and douchey. And then he's got the one little mom where his mom just smacks him down, which I think is just kind of cute. Oh, Mario's so into the cuteness of Survivor. Oh, it's like, like a little teddy bear. That's why he likes Jean. <laughs> no, Jean I just like because she's hot. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, All I right. have to point out here real, really, really quickly before we get away from Matt and his mother that was, you know probably more blown up in Mario's 115 than it actually is. The the native uh, Amazonians come out and do a, a quick little song and dance uh, for them, which which is great. But my wife is like, this is the best camera work of the season because that was some strategic-ass camera work because those women did not have tops on. And uh, we saw, you know, them sort of dancing or they had very little and, and stuff like that. My wife was like, boy, that was that's some camera work right there, like to show but not to show. So, you know, fun, fun, fun. There you go, sir. If you're like a teenage boy and you're watching Survivor for the first time, go to uh, Survivor Amazon episode 11 because there's boobs. There's a lot of boobs in the Amazon in general. <laughs> in several ways with Heidi, actually. <laughs> yeah, she has three at the end. Exactly. <laughs> she knew instantly that she was from Mars. Okay, so all right, so Matt, Matt's visit done. All right, we're good. We're going on. Okay, let's go. Explosion right. back at camp. Yeah, is this this is the big. Uh, this is where Rob goes to Jenna and tries to get back into their good graces, and Jenna just flips out on him. Is that that's well, what happens yeah, here? Yeah, I just love the whole conversation too because he's laying out this plan here, saying about how you know Jenna, I would like to take you to the final two because you know that now is you know I'm seeing these other people as you know more difficult you know opponents to take to the end, and then you kind of realize that he realizes that uh oh now she could use this against me, so he even tells she goes which you know there's nothing stopping you from going back, and even if you do, the only thing I said in this conversation was that you are the one I think I can beat the most trying to backtrack yes. on what he had just said and then of course that leads to a great you know back and forth between uh, between Jen and Rob and then Heidi jumps in there and it's it's all goodness <laughs> there's a great quote in there I forget if it's a confessional or not where Rob's like uh, they think I'm a jerk they're right I am a jerk <laughs> yeah it's a confessional and then he also says you know like you know they're all sitting around saying I'm the bad guy what have you not been paying attention the first 31 days <laughs> yeah <laughs> I just want to remember the good times we had. Don't remember all the mean things and the backstabbing. <laughs> just remember the fun. And he, he, you know, he, he compares the situation to he's stuck at camp with two ex-girlfriends that hate him. 
Yes. No, it's all really good. And and I what I like about the blow up is that Rob, you know, completely kind of shuts her down and, and whatnot. And Jenna does some things where you can sort of see Matt and Butch prick up a little bit at this, where you know, she's just like, You told me that you want to go to the final food with me. Have you promised that to Matt? Have you promised that to Butch? And you can see them turn. And you know, Rob does damage control later. And I'm not saying he lost him then, because clearly he didn't. But you know, she does do something really, really good there. You know, she's just like, You're lying to everyone. And then Rob's just like, Do you ever think I was lying to you? And like what that's just a really, really good comeback to that where he's like, yeah, I just told you a lie. Yeah. So so have fun with that. And I also have to point out one thing that happens in this whole conversation where uh, we've mentioned before that Rob's strategy was he just float around, pick up the bottom feeders that needed help and just pull them in. But he even flouts admits that in his own words. He says the exact same thing, which we've been saying was that's what I've been doing all game. I just pick up the bottom feeders. That's how I always have an alliance. So. Again, he's, he's just thinking of Survivor in a different way than other people had done it up to this point. All right, so then we get the, this is the immunity challenge. I think the, the girls at this point have gone to Christy. They're like, look, help us vote out Rob. And Christy's like, you haven't talked to me all game. Why would I, I want to join up with you guys now? So it's, this is really heated. Everyone's kind of at each other's throats right now. It's just everything, all hell's breaking loose. This is we go to the uh, immunity challenge, and this is the famous uh, plate smashing slash shuffleboard challenge. Gripping, boy, it was edge on, edge on my edge of my seat every time I watched that challenge. How did Butch lose that challenge? Because old guys are good at shuffleboard. Well, this was hand shuffleboard, you know. It's the same it's thing. Not the stick, you know. He's all about Maybe the woods bel- and the stick, and the, the, the stick shuffleboard is what's on the Lido deck, not this hand <laughs> weird one. All right, fine. I did. I did like the Jeff Probst dig. The Jeff Probst dig moment where Christy, you know, she has the first shuffle. The fir- her first toss is you know very very short, and then her second one's also a bad toss. And Probst is like, still getting the feel of the board. Yeah, he does it to Rob too, just feeling out the board. <laughs> All right, so Jenna pulls out the gripping immunity win in, in shuffle <laughs> in hand shuffleboard with and- with the great you know exchange there where he said. Um, um, he like he like sets up a couple scenarios. Like, are you gonna do this or this? And then she says, "I have my own plan, secret." And then there's a great reaction by Rob, like, "Ooh, a secret!" And then, uh, <laughs> oh snap! And then she, you know, like we said, yeah, and uh, such a such a victory, you know, celebration that goes into that, and such a, you know, I mean, it's like like watching the Olympics and watching America take home the gold was was that <laughs> end of that challenge, but. We can't focus on that for too long, unfortunately. Yeah, it's about time to get rid of Christy. We got we got a deaf girl to cut off. <laughs> yes. This is just beautiful. This is just beautiful because we even pretensed it. After the big Jenna-Rob fight, you do see Rob go to Butch and go to Matthew and just say, like, did you see that shit? I mean, did you see that shit? You, you, you know we're tight, right? You know, and Matthew's like, yeah, of course. And Butch is just like, yeah, she was just mad. She's just, you know, letting off steam and stuff like that. So you can see Rob has done damage control with Matthew and with Butch, and he's probably done some with Christy. But then, yeah, <laughs> after the challenge, then he goes over to Christy and says, so, uh, yeah, you want to you, you you vote out? And Christy's like, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I might vote for you. I don't know. I have no yeah. idea. And she's just laying, what? I'm just laying here in the non-hammock. She's just <laughs> laying back, you know, just totally cool with everything. And you just see Rob just go, oh, fuck no. <laughs> yeah, Christy, she's splayed. I mean, she's literally splayed. Yeah. You know, the arm spread. You can see her armpit hair and everything. She's laying there. She's like, I might vote for you, Rob. I might vote for them. I don't know. Like, she's just totally, you know, relishing her power. Which is absolutely the wrong thing to do. And it's just funny, for years, 
I remember on, on Survivor Sucks, they used to have polls and stuff like, who most deserved the boot they got on Survivor in their boot episode? And my answer was always the same, Christy. There's no one ever to top Christy in my mind who asked for their boot more than she did. Like, you don't start throwing around your power when you're working with Rob in a game where half the people already hate you. Like, are you kidding me? So, yeah, so she's like, I don't know, Rob. I might vote for you. I might. And Rob's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I guess so. What do you yeah, mean, I guess, I guess so? so. I don't know. Like, I How don't... can I be the sole survivor? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> She's very honest. She's an open book. She's <laughs> Christy the thing, was like... not Christy was not a Survivor fan going into Survivor, and this is the episode where we really could tell that. Well, that's the thing. Alex gets so much crap for you know he told Rob he was going to vote him out, and Rob turned on him. Like, but Alex wasn't fucking with Rob. Christy is legitimately just fucking with Rob. <laughs> What well, the hell are you doing? Just because she has the power. Has the power. <laughs> yeah, so, so Rob, of course, runs back to Heidi and Jenna, who, of course, he's burned all bridges with. And he, he builds that bridge faster than Butch gathering firewood. Ooh. Ooh. That's right. That's right. Nicely done. But exactly. This, but this is the thing. This is, this is the part, this is one of the most beautiful plays in Survivor that you could ever do, is that Rob has literally said, he said it in an interview, Mario said it a bunch of times, his strategy was to take the bottom feeders and give them hope, give them a chance. Now the bottom feeders are Jenna and Heidi, whom he's completely destroyed very, very recently, and he's still able to pick them up, which just shows just his mastery at what's going on. Fair Play is going to do something in Pearl Islands that's just on this level, if, if, if not a little bit better, with one of the ways he swings a vote. But Rob C. swinging this vote, getting Jenna and Heidi to vote out Christy, just afterwards and just i mean i know that it's convenient timing it's not like jenna and heidi have you know some sort of love for christy and and christy fits into their plans or anything like that but still the fact that you know they're so pissed they've had just arguments and and lots of non-said curse words for him and he's still able to just wing them on his side without really a problem here is just brilliant well done yeah and i have to give credit where credit's due on this one with jenna and heidi like, they could have played emotionally. They could have said, fuck you, Rob. We're never going to talk to you again. But you got to give them credit to say, yeah, let's work with you, Rob. I mean, this is in our best interest. So a lot of people would play emotionally back in the early days of Survivor. And, and again, Heidi and Jenna don't at this moment. They're like, yeah, let's work. Let's go for it. So I think you have to give them some credit, too, for thinking maturely about this. I'm, I'm, I'm really going to regret saying this, but you kind of – there's something – Something that Heidi has done this entire time up until now is that Heidi has emotionally said some things that are off pace, and she's going to in her boot episode show that you know her 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 standing within the game was grossly miscalculated. But you ever notice when Heidi does argue with people about something, she's arguing her point, and then they argue back, and she, you know she usually can understand where they're coming from at all times, and she mm-hmm. usually acknowledges that. And so you know he- that's why you know when Heidi turned it on Roger, and when Heidi thinking here like Heidi is pissed at Rob but Rob if, if Rob presented a salient point Heidi would probably say oh and you want to do that yeah that makes sense you know even in that argument with Jenna you can see her like not agreeing with Rob and taking his side but seeing his point she's good at seeing people's points I mean she'll she'll ignore them or just you know run right past them but you know Heidi does see points very very well in, in, in other people's arguments and I think with this case Rob made an argument and she just you know saw it and said you know what that that makes sense and Jenna was like fine so they did it yep and what's funny is if you if you look at Rob's final words on the Amazon DVD I'm jumping a little ahead but he blames this for what cost him the game getting rid of Christy when he should have got rid of Heidi or Jenna 
and, and that's it, it's there's some logic behind that too that maybe he overreacted or acted a little vindictively at this moment where just because he could swing the vote for Christie maybe he shouldn't have but yeah that was the thing where this is it i mean he's he absolutely says it's it's like in speed where uh if you have a hostage the movie speed where you have a guy pointing a gun at a hostage what you do is you shoot the hostage take the hostage out of the equation and that's basically what rob does here he takes out the wild card he's like all right let's get rid of christy because she's the only one he can't predict get rid of her and then it's just three against two going into the final episode final two episodes so again you could make the argument maybe rob acted a little swiftly without thinking it through here he acted he turned the vote just because he could even if he shouldn't have but yeah, that's really what happens. He had the power, and he decided he was going to use it. You don't fuck with me. I'm going to get rid of you. Yeah, he had the power, not Christy. Sorry. Yeah, the power. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We go to tribal council. Christy still has no idea the vote's been turned against her. She's, as far as she knows, that Rob has promised her a final four-pack. It's her, Butch, Matt, and Rob. And they're going to the final four. We get to tribal council. We have this wonderful moment where Jenna and Heidi start talking about the handicap they have in life with being beautiful. <laughs> Although, again, I have to point out, they at no point do they use the word handicap, and I think Jenna points that out in the final tribal council Actually, at the end. Rob brings up the word ha- uh, handicap. Correct. Yeah, it, w- w- I mean, of course, we only see part of tribal council, but what we see in the episode is that Jenna and Heidi never actually use the word handicap. It's only Rob. And later, at the final tribal council, Jenna says, I never used the word handicap, and all the jurors say, oh, yeah, you did. But I don't think that's actually true. I think Jenna's correct. She never actually, I mean, she implies that she has a handicap, but she never actually uses the word. All right, so we get the scene, Jenna and Heidi, they're handicapped, they're way too beautiful in life, people don't respect them. Rob is points out how happy he is he doesn't have that handicap working against him. <laughs> and this is where uh, at Tribal Council, I mean, now, again, we already know that Christy's going home. It's already, the wheels are in motion at this point. And then this is where she, you know, basically cuts her own throat even further in editing where she says, oh, I'm the one in the driver's seat, Jeff, I'm the one calling the shots right now. And you can just really? see Really? Yeah. <laughs> And you see the jurors kind of react to that. If I recall, isn't Dave do something like, what? Dina also gives a, mm, yeah. really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then goodbye. Oh, wait, no. Before Christy goes, I got to point out, this is, it's. It comes it's, out of nowhere. Not, no explanation for this. Yeah, Jenna gives immunity to Heidi, which is the first time in Survivor history someone actually gave up immunity. I think they were allowed to do it all the way back in Marquesas, but no one has done it up to this point, Correct. Correct. Yeah, so Jenna gives it to Heidi. No explanation. We never see a single confessional explaining why Jenna does that, although it makes sense if you think about it. But, again, it doesn't make a difference because Christy's going home. But I do have to point that out for historical purposes that this is the first time it has ever been done in Survivor history. And then, goodbye, Christy. Didn't hear it coming. <laughs> You're waiting for that one. Um, I know. <laughs> with, I, I just recently watched Christie's extended um, exit interview, and if you have the the DVD, watch it because it is so entertaining. Because she is so bad and so pissed mm-hmm. off, but she's so trying hard to like catch herself and be like, "It's okay. I really, you know, 33 days. That was a good accomplishment." And she has to keep stopping herself to remind herself of that. But then she just kind of gets really mad and angry again. And so I was going on a rant about the for these freaking evil stepsisters and she even drops some bigger swear words and they have to bleep her out and stuff it, it's fantastic if you haven't seen it and i have to again point out watch that confessional again and remember that 
that Christy votes for Jenna to win at the end. It just doesn't make sense. We'll get to that in a little bit. There's a lot coming on here, coming up here. But yeah, this is Christy's entire storyline. These two girls screwed her over. They fucked with her the entire game. She's going to do everything in her power to make sure they do not win Survivor. This is her mission. This is even in the episode, which again, you wouldn't think thinking retrospectively that Christy votes for Jenna to win, they wouldn't have put that comment that Christy says, I will not let my stepsisters win the evil, the million dollars. It's, it's just such an, a dissonant way to look at Christy's storyline at the end. What else do we got here? Oh, I got to point out um, that Christy vote, a lot of people always ask me what was the reaction to certain votes in Survivor history. The Christy vote, oh man, did people on the message boards go nuts about that one. Man, they were pissed at Rob. They were pissed at the girls. I mean, it was. I remember at the time, everyone was like, "Oh, Christy got fucked over. That was horrible. You toyed with the deaf girl. You voted her out." And I remember on on Survivor sucks in particular. I was one of the few people. I mean, very few. There were not many people that would had the, the balls to say this. That would actually write. Um, Christy kind of asked for it, and no, that was not the popular opinion. Nobody would say that. No, I know, I agree. I was real. thinking. I was thinking about that, Mario, when I watched her exit interview on the early show. And on uh-huh. the early show, Julie Chen's doing the interview, and she's just like. Christy, where you voted off because you had, you know, you had too many morals and you just had so much honesty. And Christy's like, that's what it was. I'm like, no, yeah, it was wasn't. It. <laughs> yeah. And then just... oh, also, and, and then in Christy's uh, ex-interview, she says that she's proud of herself because she never lied in the game. Well, actually, she lied to Shauna once. And actually, she did lie about stuff about her personal life. If she didn't feel like talking about herself, she would just lie about some things about that. But she didn't lie about the game at all. And then yeah, all then of a sudden, find- she's trying to like get on the bandwagon. Like I was just, you know, too much of a moral player. <laughs> but uh, again, I just have to reiterate: you had to have such balls back in the early days to go on message boards or go on anywhere where they discuss Survivor and point out that Christy got exactly what she deserved. And then I remember I, in my weekly column that week, I wrote: all Christy had to do was say yes, Rob, I'm in. It's like five words. And what's funny is. If you watch the Survivor uh, reunion show, Rob quotes me verbatim. He's like, all she had to do was say, yes, Rob, I'm in. And so it's funny, this, you had to have such balls to say that because that was not the way the audience saw it at the time. The, the way the audience saw it was Christy just got fucked over, which is not true at all. Uh, again, I think that Christy is a wonderful prototype for a lot of these X-Factors or, or, or kind of loony characters that are going to come in the future. Uh, but she also came with the with the addition of being the first deaf player to play Survivor. And I think she did pretty well for herself up until Christy basically ran into Christy and things happened. Yeah. And again, you can use the argument, like I said with Alex, like one bad move doesn't negate him being a great social player, great physical player for all those episodes. And I know someone can kind of turn that around and say, well, how can you say that she wasn't really a great player, Mario, because she did the same thing. But my argument was Christy was never a great social player because I think she set herself off from the rest of the group real early on. And I think she kind of invented a lot of the, the people being mean to her and stuff. So, I mean, I'm sure people did kind of snub her at times. And I think some of it was her part, too. So it's. I think she was a great character, and she was, again, a wonderful trailblazer, and she was a fun character, but yeah, she she just had struggled at Survivor. The minute she got power, she got a little cocky, and it just bit her right in the ass. You know, the, the last thing I'll say on Christy here is, and, and they asked her on the early show, this, you know, why did you go on the show? And she said that she went on the show for deaf awareness to show that someone who's deaf can do anything that anyone else can, and I think that's really great. I think she did, you know, probably, you know, inspire a lot of, of you know, kids who who might, who, you know, who might have been deaf, um, but I think the problem that she always ran into is then, instead of just saying, okay, my being deaf is not an issue, 
she always brought it back to the fact that people weren't acknowledging the fact that she was deaf, that they weren't, like, her, her argument breaks down so many times, even when she gets voted off, she said, she makes all these comments about, um, you know, the hearing, these hearing people, you know, they're not, not making, I can't remember the words, but she implies that they, they didn't, they didn't help her any extra, they didn't, you know, treat her, you know, didn't respect the fact that she had all the stuff. It's like, well, you know, if you really were here just to prove that you're like anyone else, that that cuts down your argument when you're constantly asking for extra attention or extra, you know, all these different things, which if she just would have, you know, kind of left that behind her, I don't think we would be sitting here focusing on that too much. I think she brought the deaf issue back to being the deaf issue more than, than it really should have been, and it would have really helped her case even more had she had she kind of let that part of herself go. There's one more thing I wanted to mention about Christy. This is something, it's not really survivor related, but I didn't really understand Christy's point of view that the deaf world and the hearing world were different. I mean, obviously, I'm not deaf. None of us are. I don't really grasp that. You just kind of think that they kind of fit into the hearing world. They do the best they can. They you know, have sign language. I saw a documentary a couple of years ago. I think it was called Sound and Fury, which was basically about this little boy with, he was born deaf and they were going to give him cochlear implants and he was going to join the hearing world. And this was a huge controversy at the time. Apparently, I didn't really grasp the difference between the deaf world and the hearing world. Like, they're basically two different worlds. And like, when someone wants to switch from deaf to hearing, it becomes a big controversy sometimes because it's like you're turning on your people, you're turning on your your world. So, it's, it's really hard for anybody who's not deaf, I think, to understand Christy's point of view because she really does live in a different world where she doesn't interact with hearing people. So, it wasn't until I kind of saw that documentary, I really kind of grasped how difficult it must have been to, for her to live in this world that she not only doesn't really get, but she kind of sees as hostile, almost as the enemy at times. So I just wanted to point that out, that it's, it's, it would be hard for anyone who's not deaf to really grasp what Christy went through. Oh, and one more thing. Someone, someone, the, the, people are going to kill me if I don't mention this. I, I, I've mentioned before, I hate the spoiler world. I don't want anything to do with spoilers on Survivor. But I have to say, the Christy vote is notorious in the world of Survivor spoilers because it absolutely rattled everybody in the world of spoilers. And this is something I just I just was vaguely aware of at the time because people would mention to me at, during, in 2003 or whenever this, I think it was that was the year. But the spoilers, I remember on Amazon, they all were laid out to the end that Jenna and Matt were in the final two, Jenna wins, but all the spoilers said that Christy was in the final four. And I remember, to this day, people still talk about the Christie episode as being the first time in Survivor history that, that they were really rattled, the spoiler world, by this vote that came out of absolutely nowhere. So I just have to throw that out there. I know some people are interested in spoiler history. I'm not the guy to give you spoiler history because I can't stand that world. But this was the one episode that really rattled that world. And if you want to read more about it, just do a search, kind of get into the spoiler world, and, and read about the Christie vote and how much it just absolutely shocked people that were convinced that she was in the final four. All right, and now we are down to the final five and the Heidi episode. Not the Heidi episode so much as the Butch episode, right? All right, fine. Yeah, I know. Jay, why don't, why don't you? Why, we'll sit back and you can talk about Butch for twenty minutes, please. Butch is amazing, and we get, you know, <laughs> shit. I fucking love Butch. So, um, so. Now we've got Christy gone. So now really we've got Rob and his two in his two votes against Jenna and Heidi. That's all that's left. So now Rob is openly talking about, you know, well, you've got to get rid of Heidi or getting rid of Jenna. And he's basically I mean, he basically tells the girls he's like, yeah, well, 
uh, I think Heidi's probably going to go next because she's a physical threat, which is like, Aru, Heidi hasn't done anything up until now, but, you know, whatever you're going to do. But, you know, that's a real quick strategy scene before we get into the Butch Firewood scene. <laughs> yes. Where we see Butch collecting firewood and we get some great confessionals mainly from rob but also jenna kind of comes in and uh, and and adds on to the butch insanity we just see butch going in there and he gets some great shots of butch like going out there collecting firewood throwing in a bundle and you see him like in trees like inspecting wood and basically going like ah now that is dry <laughs> that is butch, dry right there butch dunn lost his mind yeah butch dunn <laughs> lost his mind and stuff like that and, you know rob is just like butch is is got a thing with the firewood. You know, when we wake up in the morning, he says, we need to get some firewood. When we come back from collecting firewood, he turns around and says, oh, I think we need more firewood. <laughs> and, you know, you get Jenna, who's just like, he just keeps stacking. It's under the shelter. It's everywhere. It's like, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's talking to the wood. And, you know, they immediately cut to a shot of Butch talking to the wood. If uh, that is dry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that right there is dry wood. And then Rob, of course, is tagging along, and Rob's like, I don't know at what point I became the junior deputy firewood bitch. Which, great, great quote. Yeah, this, this, I, I didn't have nearly enough fun with Butch and the Firewood on the Funny 115. That should have been a running joke through the whole. If I could go back and do that countdown over again, I would have Butch Firewood jokes all throughout the countdown just popping in and out of other entries. It's fantastic. It's, it's wonderful. And everyone just reacts to him. It's just everybody reacting to someone doing crazy stuff, which is always been my favorite funny thing on survivor people reacting to matt people reacting to coach just people talking shit about russell i mean just that's my favorite thing someone doing crazy stuff and everyone else reacting and butch is the you know the uh the template for that he's he's the template and it's great because you know rob's out there helping butch like collect the firewood and rob's just like all right butch you think we've got enough and butch is just like i tell you something rob you want to make it in here you want to make it in life you got to do the hard work you got to do the work yourself you know and, and it'll pay off and it's just like you're just grabbing all this wood butch like calm the fuck down like it's gonna be okay there's a great well, one of my all-time favorite moments of Amazon is where you know Rob has had all these great confessionals all season. It's all strategy. It's all something witty, some joke, something he's rehearsed. And there's one in the scene with Butch. He is just absolutely at a loss for words. He doesn't know what to say. And Rob, it's the only time all season where Rob is kind of flustered in a confessional, and all he can say is he's kind of laughing. He says, "I don't want to be on a team with Butch." <laughs> <laughs> Even Rob is just speechless. It's great, you know, and then they're back at camp, and he's like got all the wood, and he's like, "All right." I mean, we've had we have two Butch dancing scenes, one in the next episode, but in this one too, he's just like, "All right," and he does a little like, "I'm so good." We just got a whole bunch of firewood, and I mean, you know, he's he's on a roll. Butch is Butch is on the fire on, on the firewood roll, and uh, and and it's great, and it's going to pay huge dividends. But uh, uh, we get that, and we get a reward challenge, and this is a uh, this is for a car. It's a Saturn Ion. It's a pretty good car. Yeah, this car. is the one. And, where's, uh, and this challenge not only does it have elements of past challenges, it gives a sneak peek at a future challenge, <laughs> which, which sounds so much more impressive than it is. Yeah, it's like wait a minute. So basically, you're just going to redo this challenge down the road. All right, fine. Yeah, so this is the one where they have to they have to do a bunch of obstacles, and of course, Matt just dusts everybody like he does in every challenge at it's this point. And, yeah. And then, uh, although I did notice when I was watching this challenge that Jeff is really narrating what's happening. Is this the first challenge where he's really narrating it hardcore? Like, every single thing that happens, Jeff is just narrating it? He's he's going out there. He's starting to do it more and more uh, yeah. in Amazon. He'll pick it up, clearly, in Pearl Islands and keep going. Yeah. 
And then, uh, of course, okay, so Matt wins the challenge. He wins the car and the barbecue. And, of course, I have to point out for the 50th time, because Matt is our beloved jury vote winner, he says, oh, can I please share the reward with everyone, please? And Jeff's like, no, I'm sorry, you can't. Matt's like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I just want everyone to get it because we're all friends. Like, again, Matt, I, again, I don't get how this guy just gets dust in a jury vote six to one with the edit he got. But then Jeff Probst's alpha moment, like just as Matt wins and he's whooping and hollering, and Jeff's like, Matt, come get your car, baby. <laughs> yeah, Jeff becomes black all of a sudden. Get your car, baby. <laughs> Make a stew out of that, baby. <laughs> he's not Carl Weathers. <laughs> So, uh, Matt gets a thing and he chooses Rob, and then we've got this great juxtaposition. You know it's not happening right at the same time, but still, the juxtaposition of camera work is great. Because you got Matt and Rob uh, on the thing, and they get the charcoal. And then there's a great thing, again, Paul pointed at out earlier, where Matt totally doesn't get the joke. Where, like, they pull out the little grill, and, like, they're pulling the charcoal out, and, like... Rob's just like, oh, or he says, you know, oh, Butch, Butch must be just, you know, would be would kill us if you found out. And Matt's like, oh, why? Because of the car? Yeah, <laughs> yes. I think he says, uh, Rob says, oh, too bad Butch isn't here. And then <laughs> Matthew, because as he's, as he's like looking at the coal and all the stuff they're going to light it with, and Matt's <laughs> yeah. like, like, yeah, he would love this. Like, no, yeah. I'm talking about the wood here, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about how we're going to start a fire. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> He killed him with sarcasm. He killed him with sarcasm. <laughs> Week later, Rob was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the one line where Rob's like, "Butch is going to be jealous. We got coal." Yeah, we got coal. <laughs> That's another great line. But then they're 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 interspersing shots of Rob and Matthew, you know, getting the getting the fire started, making Butch jokes, and then you go back and you see that fire shelter, and then you just see it slowly start to you see the smoke slowly start to creep up, and then you go back and then you see like them talking about their hot dogs and making big burgers and ah, maron and all that sort of stuff. And then you get back and I mean, that fire just goes up. I mean, that is like a solid wall of flame because there's just so much dry wood and grass and whatnot. I mean, that thing just goes up like a Roman candle and it burns their entire shelter. And then you go back and they're enjoying food and then it's back and the thing is burning down and then back to food. And then finally we get back to camp and Butch and Heidi and Jenna come back to camp and Butch is like, oh no, oh. Oh, must have been a big fire. Yeah. He stacked all that dry wood right underneath their shelter. Smart. <laughs> my, favorite thing, right. my favorite thing is that, you know, Jenna and Heidi, they all, they do a really, really good job, I think, with this. Is that, you know, like, you can see they're all very much in shock that their home has been burnt down and, you know, everything's in ash. And you can just see, like, you know, Heidi does, you know, for as much shit as we give Heidi, like, Heidi's stuff somehow didn't get burned, but everything else did. And Jenna's upset. And I mean, Heidi gives a good confessional, like, I almost wish my stuff was burned because then I could, you know, Mm-hmm. be on that same level but you know they're just jenna's just like my stuff's gone everybody's stuff's gone and everything like that and you could see like in their heads you could just see them and then you see butch just looking around and butch just like i i don't know what caused this yeah could have been anything we have no <laughs> idea there's no proof <laughs> yeah, way, butch, is, butch to... just tries to talk his way out of anything he's like well i mean just something caught there just caught fire and the whole thing burned down but what can we do about nothing <laughs> Could have been anything. Yeah. Could have been anything. anything except for fucking yeah. fire. <laughs> Jenna's Zeta crown could have exploded. We have no idea what, how it could have started. <laughs> but I have, a, I, have a que- I have a question about that fire. <clears throat> this always bugs me. Okay, obviously the cameraman caught the fire starting and it going up. Now, at what point do you think the cameraman or the producers had to stop in and step that fire? Or stop it? Because there's no way they can let a un, you know an untended 
campfire, a wildfire burn in a historic place like the Amazon rainforest. Like at some point they had to step in and stop that fire. So I always wonder, did they just wait until it burned the shelter down and burned the magic eight ball and burned all their stuff and then stepped in? What do you think happened there? They're trying to, they want to get Heidi's stuff gone too, but then uh, they ran out of time because they were coming back to camp. Like crap. Oh, shit, they're stop coming this. back. Put it out. Yeah. And you got to think of all the luxury items that were burned. You got the eight ball. You got the believe in yourself banner. I mean, some historic stuff. You got the Zeta crown. You I mean, got. There, there could have been some Heidi. leftover edible massage oil that fueled the <laughs> yeah. fire. Heidi's abacus could have been burned up. I mean, Joanna's vibrator shaped like a crucifix could have been burned up. Oh my God, Paul. Oh my God, Paul. That is so the catalyst for that fire. It was the massage oil. It was the massage oil. Fucking Jean. It was fucking Jean. Jean Jean got her revenge. (laughs) She's going to burn this place down, she said. But but yeah, that's the thing I always think logistically. Like, you know, the producers had to step in because that fire didn't stop on its own. I mean, you saw how big that thing was. It was huge. I mean, it makes me wonder, though, because they they did sweep out their shelter. So, like, when it got over to the shelter, I could see that fire sort of containing itself to the shelter. But the fire pit was connected to trees. And it makes me wonder, like, was the tree wet? Because, you know, a lot of that stuff was kind of dry. And and that fire shelter was mainly just those palm fronds, you know, which just go up super quickly. And it makes an impressive flame, but that's not something that's super lasting. So I'm not a big fire expert. I mean, I think that the the fire shelter could have just gone out on its own if everything else around it was wet. And I think the shelter was pretty contained. But you know, probably that cameraman was capturing the fire and probably radioing it back like, holy shit. And they were getting uh, getting a perimeter set, probably. Oh, yeah. No, no further than this, but uh, I think they just basically contained it and let it burn within the contain. Yeah, I mean, it was just like the flood in Australia. It's amazing the cameraman happened to be standing there and he saw it coming and they caught the whole thing on, on tape. So it's pretty cool that they were there. Of course, they're dicks for not stopping it, but hey. <laughs> what are you going to do? But yes, we get, a, we, get, we get the same fun, you know, fun moment again where this one's got a little bit of blame where like, you know, the entire tribe, the entire Barramundi tribe, except for Roger, basically said, let's put it in the dry creek bed. But this one, it's like, it's just Butch that, like, just (laughs) laced that thing with all the wood. And so, like, Rob and Matthew come back, and they're like, everything's gone, and blah, blah, blah. And you can just see Rob doing, like, fucking Butch. What the fuck? Rob's like, you know, I don't know when to point fingers, but with 137 days worth of dry wood, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what to call in CSI to uh, crack this well, case. And it's funny to have Rob's interview, and just a, like 30 seconds before that, we have, you know, the sarcastic, witty Matt, like, saying the exact same thing, but with all seriousness, that we don't blame people in this tribe, we don't point fingers. Well, see, you could tell he was so sarcastic that 11 years later, you're finally getting that he was pointing the finger at <laughs> Oh, I finally get it. He was just being sarcastic. <laughs> Damn it, Matt. The All ten, right. So the 10-year burn. Oh, <laughs> greatest joke ever. <laughs> so, yeah. The, so the shelter's gone. Jenna lost her Zeta crown, which has been passed down for like five years. You've subtly said Zeta crown like five times already <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> Well, again, my wife can't stand Jenna and Heidi. I hate to say that, babe, in case Jenna or Heidi are listening. But there's one point. I was just watching this episode this morning, and Jenna's like, my Zeta jacket, that gets passed down from sister to sister, and I've had it for like five years. And my wife's like, oh, why didn't she fucking pass it down to somebody? Or, like, or, right. or more importantly, why'd you fucking take it on Survivor? Yeah, exactly. Like, that Sorry. shit's ruined, man. I just wanted to point that out. So anyway, yeah, so... Uh, the fire thing aside, we got the uh, point now where there's a there's a really telling moment in this episode, which I don't think a lot of people remember, where, you know, so many people think Rob came so close to winning. Rob was like one challenge away from winning. But Rob flat out admits in this episode, he's like, 
I've done everything I can do in this game. I can't do anything more. It's basically Matt's game. Matt's in the driver's seat. And so Rob flat out tells us, Matt is the one that controls this game. I will get as far as he allows me to get at this point. That's, so it's, you can see it's subtly shifting where, again, it's becoming Matt's story. And it just still kills me that he lost that jury vote 6-1 to because the way they told this story. It doesn't kill me. I didn't really have a personal stake in Matt winning or losing, but uh, you know, go ahead, go right ahead. Be be <laughs> you know, be personally affronted by it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I was watching these recently, and and my wife had had seen Amazon on a rewatch at one point, but she was watching it again, and she even she just said she said how what does Matt lose to Jenna in the final tribal council? And I said he loses six one, and she says holy shit six one. I mean, he's amazing. Yeah, he is. And that's the thing. I I. I and again, you can say, well, the jury was bitter, but I don't, I've never bought that argument. I think that's the stupidest argument anybody could ever use in Survivor. The jury's not bitter. It's just, it depends how accurate the story is told to us, the audience. And the Amazon one, I do not think was told particularly accurately. I think Matt was way bigger of a spaz and way less respected than he appeared on TV. And I think that's just, it's, it's not more complicated than that. No, and that's super clear. And it wasn't made super clear to us. But again, I guess it's the, you know, was Rob close to winning? I suppose if Rob could orchestrate it, that he and Matt was sitting in the final two, Rob probably wins. I yeah. mean, you know, it, 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 I'm not saying, you know, well, if Jenna could beat him six to one, but it's like Jenna beat Matt six to one, which means Rob would have probably beat him by a wide margin, uh, which means that probably everyone would have beaten him by a wide margin. Uh, all of the Butch's firewood that just got burned up in, into the midair could have beaten him six to one, maybe. Like, it seems to me like Matt was probably just going to get trounced. And that was the whole reason. I mean, that is the ultimate ace in the hole, as you said it earlier. But, mm-hmm. uh, but then the question is, can he get there? Yeah, that's the thing. And if you will think in retrospect, when they get to the final challenge, Matt throws the challenge. Matt mm-hmm. was probably going to do that anyway. Yep. Matt had no intention of winning that final challenge because he knew everyone would take him to the final two. So, yeah, Rob, I mean, his he really had to win that final immunity. That's kind of what his whole game depended on. He had to win that final immunity, depending on if he's beating Butch or beating Jenna or anybody. So we'll get to that in a minute. But, yeah, so we get to this episode. It's uh, the ropes course immunity. Of course, Matt wins easily, as he always does. And then uh, I think this is the point where, where Matt wins immunity, so it's going to be Jenna or Heidi, and, and Jenna is sick, and she's breaking down, and she wants to quit, and, which is a great career move in Survivor, because they're not going to vote you out if it's the final five. We'll learn from Danny in Guatemala later down the road. Well, and they really, but, try, uh, yes. they really try to play up the fact here, and even in the preview, they show scenes that aren't even shown in the actual show, where and they really try to make it like, how the girls are turning on each other, and Heidi is throwing Jenna under the bus, which I don't think really yeah. was ever the case. No, it's not at all. In fact, yeah, they, they portray yeah, Heidi's going to turn on Jenna, and they hype that up. And then if you watch on the DVD, they have the early show, Heidi's early, uh, early show appearance. And, and Julie Chen is trying to do that, too. Or I forget who's interviewing it. It might be Julie Chen. But they're saying, Heidi, so you turned on Jenna. And Heidi's like, no. Like, we both knew it's going to be her and then me. And so we like, well, if Jenna's sick, we'll let her go first, and then I'll go next. That's just they decided on that. Yeah, it's so benign. But, you know, let's let's make a thing out of it. Yeah. So, yeah, so... So, uh, yeah, Jenna's sick. The guy's like, well, if Jenna's sick and doesn't care, we'll just leave her around because she'll be less of a threat in the final episode. And this will come back and haunt Jenna's legacy later. So many people will say, well, she wanted to quit. She doesn't deserve to win Survivor, which I mean, I think a lot of people probably wanted to quit. But we'll talk about that later. But, yeah, this is why Heidi gets voted out. And Heidi knows she's going home, I think. I don't think it's any surprise. So she starts just trying to mess with everyone at Tribal Council. She's like, well, I'm the genius. I'm the brains behind everything. They're all scared to death of me. And she gets voted out, which, again, I don't think was a surprise, but 
If you watch, no, she the even early wears show. she even just wears her buff on the way out. She finally gets to wear it as a tube top. Um, oh, after planning it a couple episodes before, but she said she just wore that so that she could give her uh, extra clothes to to Jenna. So, yeah, and it's funny if you watch the uh, the early show appearance with Heidi, where I forget who the I think it was Julie Chen, I but I Julie forget who it is. But, it, yeah, yeah, and they're they're the host is baiting Heidi. They're like. So is that why you got voted out? Because you said you were the mastermind. I bet that surprised you. You got voted out. And Heidi's like, no, that's not why I got voted out at all. Like, it, it has nothing to do with what I said at Tribal Council. But Julie keeps baiting her. Like, so you got all cocky. Now you learn. Don't say things at Tribal Council. It'll get you voted out. And Heidi's like, no, that's not what happened at all. It's just funny. Yeah. So, I mean, this was a, an obvious vote. Just, all right, take out Heidi because she's a tougher competitor than Jenna. And Jenna wants to quit. And it, really, that's about it. And we lose one of the, the icons in early Survivor history, Heidi. We lose her, and we lose her with a great confessional again from Rob. I, I, mean, I feel like we've been like super complimentary to Rob, but he deserves it. And uh, you know, the the uh, two girls, one brain, divide by two, only one half wit left. Well, that's just fantastic. Perfect. That segues right into Heidi being the smartest player of all time. Legacy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got to. Yeah, Rob. It. Rob's stance on Heidi and Heidi's stance on Heidi are, are quite different. <laughs> Although I should point out, this is something a lot of people don't remember that, you know, at this point in the game, no one thinks Jenna's going to win because she's sick. She's down three to one. She doesn't want to be there. She's weak. And if you watch Heidi's final words on the DVD, uh, the extended ones, she says flat out that she thinks Matt is going to win because Matt is an amazing player. Yeah, so. it's crazy. I I didn't. I uh, I just watched that recently, and and she, and she was she goes through like Butch didn't do anything to win the game, but you know Matt he I think he's gonna go all the way, and he deserves it because he's been playing. Yep, absolutely. So I, I like to throw that out there that we weren't crazy at home thinking that Matt was all of a sudden becoming a strong player. You even hear from some of the people like Heidi, again, who Heidi. If Jenna gets to the end, she's obviously going to get Heidi's vote, but I don't think anybody expected Jenna to get to the end. I think they're gearing up that Matt is going to win Survivor at this point, that Matt's probably going to go to the final two with Rob. People are going to be pissed at Rob, or he's going to go with Butch. So I think people are kind of subtly gearing up for Matt winning. And Jenna, of course, showing up in the final two, they just are delighted by, oh my god, one of us gets to win? So we'll get to that more. But yeah, Matt was really not a spaz to everyone if you've listened to some of the clues here. And now we get to the finale. Yeah, one of the more, yeah, one of the more infamous episodes in Survivor history. And I will say, no episode in Survivor history pissed me off more than this one at that time. And I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of another episode that pissed me off. I mean, there's some in All Star. We'll get to All Stars with the Lex and Rob stuff. That's absolutely brutal too. But this one, there was such a visceral reaction to this episode. I mean, it was just fans revolted against this episode this ending this gen like, episode i can even remember this you know um after this aired like i remember being so convinced that matt was going to win even as i mean i was on the message board i didn't really you know know what was going on besides just watching the show but i was so convinced that matthew was going to win that when they only showed one vote one person voting for matthew one person voting for jenna i thought yeah. oh we're going to have our first 6 to 1 vote and it's going to be matthew you know in in a landslide yep. that's how confident i was until the final vote reading that matthew had won the game yeah yeah i i kept a running diary of me watching the survivor amazon finale you can find it on my the funny 115.com archives page that's all my columns are there but you can see my thought process as the final finale is going along and at one point i just write congratulations matthew von ertfeld the winner of survivor amazon and i've never been so far off on a winner and it just absolutely drove me crazy because it's not the story you saw and i will say one of the if you go on any survivor message board now 
one of the popular things is ranking the winners. Okay, who was the best winner? Who was the worst winner? And what I love to point out is that pastime didn't really exist for five seasons. And people didn't really rank winners back then. It was like, all right, Richard was good. Tina was good. Ethan was not as good, but he was nice. Vesepia was lucky. Heidek was a dick, but he was good. No one really ranked winners until Amazon came out. And the only reason people started ranking winners is so they could say, fuck Jenna. And that's really the only reason that whole pastime started and why it still exists today. It started because people were so infuriated that Jenna win and they wanted to register their displeasure with it. All right, so we will get to the finale. This is a, this is a big moment in Survivor history. And I uh, will point out that in the recap that, you know, they recap the whole season at the start of the finale. And again, they have Rob's confessional where, oh, Matt's becoming too good of a player. I'm not sure anybody can beat him in a final jury vote, which again... I can't believe you'd throw that into an episode where the guy loses six to one. That just is incomprehensible to me. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It, it is interesting because you know, up until you know, Christy gets out, we can just say that it really was hard for them to deal with with Christy and Jenna both being in the game when you have someone that you're supposed to root for, and we have a winner here. But you know, Christy's long gone, and, and they're still shoving Matthew as the hero down our throats. Yep, absolutely. All right. Um, one thing I like to point out about the uh, Amazon finale, and I, I, I try not to say anything bad about Jenna just because she's taken so much abuse over the years. But what's funny is this episode is really not that much different from Shauna, the episode where Shauna kind of wants to go home. She's miserable, but people won't let her leave. And that's really what they did to Jenna last episode. So I like to kind of point out that parallel that it's kind of happened twice in one season now where someone's been trapped in the game kind of against their will. Just like throwing that one out there. All right, so we, uh, as most of the Survivor finales did, especially back in the day, we go almost immediately right into the first immunity challenge. There's not a lot of preamble. And this is the one, the blindfolded maze. Where oh, this, it's like, this, is, this is one where Butch feels up Jenna the entire time. I think they all feel up Jenna. I think Matt does too at one point. <laughs> Finally, he gets his chance, he says. Yes, but, hey, <laughs> but Matt felt up Jenna heroically. Exactly. Hey, Butch, you know, Butch, he's older. He's got to get his action where he can. Players got to play, man. Look. He's just looking for some firewood. He probably, he's he's probably believing in himself. He's, he's believing be- in himself. <laughs> he's believing in himself. He's probably like, no, nah, that's dry. <laughs> you know, if you want something in life, Rob, you got to work for it. <laughs> yeah. Butchism's going in there. I actually like this challenge. I think this is this is fun, this blindfold, whatever, you know, grope fest aside uh, through the mud. But yeah, Jenna pulls it out. Yeah, it's a really kind of muddy crappy it's just a primal people a challenge of people fighting for survival it's really kind of survivor at its essence where jenna is absolutely toast if she is gone and she's got this sudden determination now where you know what they screwed with me i'm i may have been a, a little girl starting this game but i'm a spunky little warrior now but they're going to get me out over my dead body and she starts fighting and again this is i think what the editors and producers wanted us to see and i think it was far too late for anybody to really see jenna's comeback story and care but that was the thing. Yeah, she comes back and she's like, over my dead body, they're going to vote me out. And she just, you know, fights through the mud, fights through. The other three are basically working together against her. I mean, it's obvious. Jeff even points it out. And she still pulls it out at the end where she beats Matt. It's like the first challenge Matt has lost in a while. Yeah, it's a, it's, you got to give credit where credit's due on this one. That Jenna really pulls it out and she saves her butt. And it really alters the whole rest of the season. It's one a challenge that nobody expected her to win. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, the I thing. Ter- She's she's gonna get voted out. I mean, it's it's established that Rob and Butch and Matt are the three, and they're gonna vote out Jenna, but they can't. And that's always when Survivor gets fun. Yep, this is it. You got to turn on each other. And I, I was such a big Rob fan at the time. This is one of those where 
He was everything I was looking for in a player. I just remember just thinking back at the time. Everything I was looking for in a player. He was funny. He was devious. I had heard all this hype about him from the, the alumni before the season. I knew he was a reader of my column. We'd kind of exchanged a couple in, some info before uh, during the season and stuff. So when he when Jenna won this challenge, I just remember it was one of those moments where I'm like, no, because I just knew this was going to fuck everything up. And I was worried about her in a balance challenge, which, again, all the final immunity challenge was almost always a balance or willpower challenge right and you just if you if you really wanted rob to win survivor you had a big feeling of dread starting with this episode where jenna won the immunity right here it's like uh oh this doesn't look good for our buddy here and it's it's such a shock that she even won it just was like you know come knowledge she's gonna be gone she's sick she's she's out so you know her winning that just kind of even though it was upsetting for some it really breathed this new life into the finale that oh now we have someone else Besides Matt, who's going to challenge Rob for the win? Yep, absolutely. So Jenna wins immunity, and now it's a scramble to see who can go make promises to Jenna, who can get on her side before the vote. And yeah, Butch, of course, makes a great plea. And then Matt goes, and Matt makes this super secret final two deal with Jenna, which something I kind of wrote in my notes here is that this last episode or two, Matt is just playing circles around Rob at this point. He's doing everything Rob should have done, but he's doing it better. So, of course, he goes to Jenna, he gets the final two deal, now they're set to be in the final two, and it's just one of those things, like, I don't think Rob had any knowledge that Matt had this in him, this kind of gameplay in him. Well, Rob's leverage is gone. You know, yeah. Matt, Matt has got his feet under him, because, you know, the counter-argument to Matt, and I mean, I'm with you on the whole Matt gets a great hero edit, and it's really surprising that he loses 6-1, but, you know, we, Matt has said to the camera, just as Jenna was caught being lazy and sunbathing and, you know, being a little petulant over a letter from home, Matt has also said on several occasions in several episodes, I am clueless when it comes to this game. Yep. Rob is the only person that is keeping me in this game. And I understand your story of the, you know, Dr. Frankenstein and his monster, how Rob taught Matt. And it's true. Matt, at the end, gets his wheels under him, just as Jenna, at the end, pulls it out and gets the wheels under her. So, you know, they kind of make these miraculous Jenna with a, a an immunity run and Matthew with wheeling and dealing. But, you know, Rob is not a, a challenge beast at this point. And Rob has... You know, he he has pulled some amazing moves in this game. He's, you know, taken out, you know, just, you know, formed this alliance with Dina. They took out Roger. Then he took out Dina. Then he took out Alex. And then, you know, Christy was getting wild. And he took out Christy. I mean, Rob has had everything go go his way. He picked up Butch and Matthew, and they are in the final four with Rob and would have been the final three had Jenna not won immunity. Rob has done such perfect stuff. But... In his cutting and strutting, his his Brutus the Barber beefcake kind of game that he's played here, you know, he's he's kind of basically shown everyone that, you know, loyalty is kind of not really a thing in Survivor Amazon, you mm-hmm. know, except for really him and Matthew. And I mean, Jenna was loyal to Heidi, but it's like Rob has basically taken the loyalty out of this game. And so Matthew has learned a thing or two. And so now Matthew's got leverage because Matthew can win immunities and Matthew has, you know, got some sort of pull under him. And now Rob has kind of lost it all. And so, as you said a little earlier, he's at the mercy of Matthew. He's now at the mercy of Jenna. And now Matthew's dealing and it's like, holy shit. Yep. Yeah, and it's funny. Matt, Rob has a very good quote later where it doesn't matter what you promise a person after they've won immunity. It only matters what you promised them before they won immunity. And, right. and Matt has kind of laid the groundwork here for Jenna. So when Jenna kind of wins that final immunity, Matt's already got the deal with her sewn up. So again, Matt, Rob totally, he predicts what's going to happen, but he also doesn't see. He just doesn't, he isn't aware that Matt is that good a player by the end. And again, that's not going to help Matt win the game, but Matt really does come a long way, and it's, in a way, it's all Rob's fault, because he taught him everything. 
one of the great ironies of Survivor history. If you're such a good player, don't teach other people because you'll teach them too well. Always, always. All right, so we lose Butch. And uh, I'm sure Jay has a little 10-minute soliloquy to give about Butch here. No, I, I've, said, I've said most of the things about Butch. You know, he, we, he, got, a, he got to dance a little bit more. <laughs> in the in this episode, we kind of went over it, but it was great. And uh, Rob, I think Rob just said it best at the end. He said, "All the firewood in the forest is not going to keep your torch lit tonight." <laughs> That's such a it great makes quote. for a much more interesting final three with, with Butch out of the picture. Sorry. Yeah. It, it, no. As much as I love Butch, Butch is one of those where you kind of want him to go. You know, yeah. between seven and four. You know, on most of the season, have some good moments, but ultimately just get out of the way at the end. If you are a Celebrity Apprentice fan, I would liken Butch to Gary Busey. Every yeah. scene he's in is better and fun, but at a certain point, it's like, okay, just get out of the way and let's see who won. <laughs> That's kind of, Butch kind of ran his, uh, he ran his course by the end. He, he offered nothing left to the game at a certain point, because now it's just all the hardcore players trying to win. So Butch went exactly when he should have gone, and he was a great character. And, and I have to say, I will give Jay thousands of thanks for helping me appreciate Butch, because I never really appreciated him that much until we started this podcast, so... I will you, give Jay full credit for that. You are welcome. Um, I, I do love Butch. I'm not one of those. I mean, look, I don't think Butch should have come back for Survival All-Stars or something like that. But I'm certainly glad Butch was on the season and is a character on Survivor. Thank you so much, Butch, for all the laughs you've given me through the years. And I would also like to point out, for anyone at home that is reading the uh, running diary of Mario watching the uh, Survivor Amazon at 8.42 p.m. right after Butch's leaves. Mario writes, commercial break. Time to discuss our theories. I predict that the final two will be Matt and Rob. They showed the Matt Genepact in great detail, but I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I know. Let's, let's say I didn't call this Amazon ending well. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an understatement, and you'll see my reaction at the end, which is basically a string of every single curse word imaginable, like Heidi. I'm reading this for the first time, and also in 10 minutes, fuck you, because I was going to make this joke on this podcast like 10 years later, so screw you. You know, if you don't read it out loud, you can make it, and no one, if people haven't read it, it would be new to them. All right, let's do that. All right, All so right. <laughs> we go on. We've got final three, and we get a scale. Yay, scale! And, you know, converting to metric. Hooray! Yay! <laughs> yeah, that's what you need. That's what I like to see on Survivor, metric challenges, where they do <laughs> math conversions in their head. Yeah, 2.2 <laughs> pounds. What the fuck? What the hell is the rest of the world doing? This is why Survivor Japan didn't really work out, because that's what all the challenges were, math in their head. Way in American, damn it! <laughs> yes. And that was racist as hell. That's right, it was. That's Holy what we do. <laughs> all right. So, so anyway... <laughs> I want to point out there's no torch walk in this season. No torch walk. The rites they, of they passage... They get it painted like, on a oh. box, and Rob is in and included. Yeah, yeah, but that's later. <laughs> it, should be, it should be right before the final right. challenge. But that this is one, the, that's the jankiest this one... They, one. Yeah, this is one where they, they go in the seaplane and they fly over and they get to look at the Amazon. Which is cool. And I, 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 just, I, I pointed that out in my notes. I'm kind of writing as I was watching the episode. I'm like, a whole segment where the players just sit there and appreciate the location where they're filming. Like, when would you ever see that on Modern Survivor? Oh, let's spend 10 minutes appreciating the beauty of Samoa and its cultural significance. Like, like hell you'd ever see that anymore. So it was really refreshing, I think, to watch Amazon. Like, they paid tribute to this place where they've been filming and, like, this place that they spotlighted in, in TV, this whole Amazon basin. So I think that was a really cool scene. And I should point out, they finally do see their first pink dolphin of the season. So I'm very excited about that. Hooray. Well, I think Hooray. the Amazon, really quickly, I think the Amazon is somewhere special. It's kind of like, uh, you know, 
I think the Survivor's been to kind of three places that are like just mind-boggling when you think about it. The later one is the Great Wall of China, for the God's sakes. Um, yeah. And then uh, earlier they went to the you know the Great Coral Reef, right? And I mean we we glossed that over because Colby you know broke the law. But yeah. you know with 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 Amazon, <laughs> you know they're in the Amazon rainforest. I mean that is. I mean, it's I guess it's not a technical world wonder, but it is. And so, you know, w- when you're somewhere that special, you got to kind of show it off a little bit. Exactly. Like the 12 straight seasons in Samoa. They should have showed that off. It's not that Samoa is not a great place. <laughs> Samoa is, I'm sure, a wonderful place. But like people live there, whereas like in Amazon, nobody really lives there. And it's just like, you know, super huge and super weird and super amazing. It's like, you know, so, Samoa is great. But I mean, Samoa is a place where you can literally just visit it. Not it's not that difficult, really. I don't know. I'm calling out Samoa. I don't think it's a great place. Fuck oh. you, Samoa. <laughs> you don't want to do that, buddy. <laughs> oh, it's a different different Samoa I'm talking but, about. But seriously, though, the seaplane, that was some shit right out of Raiders of the Lost Ark right there. I mean, that was like, I wanted them to be running away with like people throwing, you know, yeah. blowing darts at them and, you know, stuff like that. And Rob's like, snakes. I hate snakes. I don't like it, Jacques. <laughs> yes. All right. The final tribal count or the final immunity challenge where they dress up like Amazon warriors. They put all the war paint on, the face paint, which one of the more iconic uh, challenges in early Survivor. Yeah. Also, one of the challenges that pissed me off like no other because of how it ended, but we'll get there in a second. But yeah, this is one of those challenges that I've always said every Survivor season should end with, the willpower. That should be the end to every single season. How bad do you want to win immunity? There's no, no tricks, no strength, nothing. It's just how bad do you want to just stand there? In front of the jury, no less. Absolutely, I forgot about that. Yeah, this I, was this, other than uh, Australia, they did the final challenge in front of the jury. I think this was the only other one they did in front of the jury. And Rob was very disappointed. He says in his final words that he uh, he really was hoping he's he'd be able to show up and and you know whoop the others on a, at a trivia com- competition about about the people voted off. So very disappointing for him. Wow. Again, I, a lot of people you know say that. Rob, you know, big Survivor genius, big Survivor nerd. He re- did. I know for a fact he didn't really watch a lot of Survivor before he went on. He was a Big Brother fan, but the fact that he expected a, a trivia challenge in the final Tribal Council kind of under underlies that or backs that up because they they only did that once in Survivor history where the final challenges challenge was uh, Fallen Comrades. But I will give him the um, the benefit of the doubt that once he heard that the final tr- challenge would be taking place at Tribal Council. Yeah. I think that's naturally where your your mind will go, whether or not he thought yeah. that was going to be the final three challenge. Um, it's true. Yeah. He knew instantly that the jurors would be watching him. Yeah. Instantly. <laughs> well, we and we do get we do get set up for it because as they're getting their little gear on and they're making a joke like, "Oh, is that a cup?" No, it's not a cup, Matthew. <laughs> but then you know, once we get all this sort of stuff, Matthew says, "You know, it would kind of be advantageous if I threw this challenge and I didn't win." And it's <laughs> like. There you go. There it is. There it is. Thank you for teaching him that, Rob. Well done. You know, it's it's something where like you caught it at the time, but you 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 almost paid a not a huge amount to it. You just kind of took it in stride. But it's like you know, on a rewatch, you look at it and you're like, oh fuck, there it is. That's that's there it, it right there. And you know what's really funny is up on the on the DVD of Amazon, if you watch Rob's full final words, he is flabbergasted that Matt didn't last very long in the challenge. He's like, I can't believe he only lasted five seconds. Like. Rob, it doesn't even occur to him that Matt threw the challenge. He has so little faith in Matt as a survivor strategist, it doesn't even cross his mind that Matt threw it. He's like, I can't believe it. What happened? You were supposed to win that, Matt. What happened? All right, so we get to the challenge. Matt, of course, falls off in five seconds, and then it's Rob versus Jenna. 
I'll just I, I again I, I took Survivor so seriously back then. I was so invested in everything that happened. And I had my eggs were so far in the basket of Rob winning that it had to happen to make me happy about the season that I will always remember where I was when, you know, the music starts and Rob starts teetering. I'm like, oh shit, I know exactly what's gonna happen. I can already see at third place he's gonna go in third just like Lex. That's exactly what happened. Rob falls. And I just remember sitting there just saying, shit. Oh, my God. That's one of those moments I will never forget. Like, that hit me so hard that I still don't even like watching this finale because of that. Even though, I should point out, I just thought that meant that Matt was going to win the 6-1 to one now or 7 nothing. <laughs> yeah, the Jenna win does come out of left field. But, uh, again, on a rewatch and learning more, of course, it makes perfect sense. But, but to us at the time, it, it really didn't. It really looked like this was going to be Rob or Matt's game. Yeah. That's the story. That's the story you've been talking. I mean, you have to go all the way back to the first episode where Jenna says, I just want to beat them and shut them up. And that's really all of her story. I mean, that's the thing. It it makes sense on a big season-long arc, but if you look at it a build from episode to episode, this was Matt's story. So it just, yeah, it drives you crazy. All right, so before we, uh, or no, we vote Matt or Rob out right there. That was it. That was, at the time, I will say this, a lot of people don't seem to really grasp this, that Rob was seen by many people, certainly by me, others too, as maybe the greatest player in Survivor history at the time. And to see him get voted out in the third was just heartbreaking. I mean, it's like, oh my God. And that was a big moment. And so there goes Rob. And I just, uh, I'll, I'll, have more to, we'll, I'll talk more about Rob at, when we get to the end here on our season thoughts. But yeah, I have a ton to say about him. Yeah. It is tough, though, you know, and that's, I think that's, that was a reason why they kind of went away from a final two to a final three. And I don't want to start that discussion now. <laughs> Let's save that. But, you know, Rob played a, a perfect game, but with his with the with the cutthroat and the and the loyalty free game that he played, he played one of those games almost in a way where you know I don't really think Matthew wanted to take Rob to the final two, and Jenna clearly didn't want to take Rob to the final two, and it's it's a tough game where you play things so well and play it so great, but you are sort of forced to win that final immunity. That is yep. such a tough spot to put yourself in. Yep, and we'll get to that with fair play next season, although. I've always thought Fairplay did a little better than Rob in that he made himself so dislikable that there was a chance someone would take him to the end mistakenly thinking he was a goat. I don't know if anybody really thought Rob was a goat. So I think Fairplay might have done that a little better where you're such a good player, but you make yourself despicable. So they think maybe I could beat this little turd in the final two. But it's more embarrassing for him because he loses to Lil. So <laughs> yeah. there's that. Well, oh, and, I think- and that's the problem is that it's Lil and Lil's not, not, <laughs> not doing things rationally. But we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. These are called crunches. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Yeah, well, no, we'll have plenty to say about Pearl Island. We'll save that. I think she said game over. Yeah, <laughs> all right. So this is where they do the, the you know, they, they skip the whole torch walk, rites of passage. And I got to say, I don't know if you guys agree with me on this. Even if you don't, I don't care. That there's been a huge influx of Survivor fans the last couple of years saying, oh, I hate that rites of passage where they, where they, walk and talk at, at all the torches and reminisce about all the players. I hate, I just fast forward through that. It's so boring. And I cannot comprehend a Survivor fan that hates that segment. To me, that's absolutely necessary because it treats the characters with dignity, like the whole season was a whole and like they all had value and at the end they're all remembered. So it's, it's really disheartening to me to hear people actually say that they hate that segment and they're glad that it's cut out on Survivor nowadays. But Amazon was the first season where they didn't use it and it really jumps out at me when I watch it. And I think it jumped out of the producers, too, or the players, because, you know, you have you know, Matt and Jenna doing their impromptu one, just writing names on the side of a crate, like, two minutes before the final tribal council. And I don't know if they just decided to do that, or the producers said, hey, you might want to do this real quick, because we forgot to do it. But 
Again, I just have to throw out that beef that I cannot believe there's a segment of the fan base that lobbies to have that rites of passage taken out of the season. All right, so uh, this is where we go to the final tribal council, and this is where uh, Matt and Jenna discuss, you know, what they learned in the game, what how they learn, how they grew. And Matt's got a great quote in there where I need to learn to enjoy life more. I'm going to watch more TV. Like I'm not going to spend 20 hours learning Swedish. <laughs> like <laughs> not 20. He could, he's he's been he he. He has found himself spending twenty hours on a weekend studying yeah, Swedish. Swedish. Okay, if you're gonna spend twenty hours on a weekend learning a language, really Swedish. Yeah. Like let's let, <laughs> let's put those hours to use on something a little more useful there, Matt. And isn't Swedish basically smorgibork bork bork smorgibork? And that's every, what the Muppet and every show Swedish talking. person ever speaks better English than we do, so that's just a waste. <laughs> I was just gonna say that from my knowledge of the Muppet Show, yes, yes, that is that is exactly, exactly. Swedish. So I don't get what if he's going advanced smorgibork or what that is. But I do. But anyway, I, actually, I was upon rewatch again. I really loved. I thought. I think it's one of the one of the better. Um, you know, final two talking it before they're going to tribal council, and particularly Jenna. She really sounds much more articulate, much more like you believe her more, and she seems way more mature than than the Jenna was on episode one when she's giving these interviews about hating on the boys and stuff. And uh, Jeff even makes point of this later on in the reunion. He'll say that at, at some point in during, you know, right at the end of the season here, you just kind of, you seem more likable, like something changed with you. And so um, and I don't really know what to credit that to. I don't know if we just, we see more of that side of her or, or I mean, I do think that throughout the, the process that she really did grow and she's she's much more, of of a likable figure, even from her interviews before we head into final tribal council. No, it raises right, well. it raises an interesting point because I think we've all said it that Jenna, you know, you know, buckled down right there at the end. Not only with the two immunity wins, but just her confessionals and the way she carried herself and the way she uh, is talking on day thirty nine and also her final tribal council performance. Jenna is amazing, but at the beginning of the season. Not a lot of this is there, or at least uh, showing. So yeah. the question is, did she just choose not... Did she have it uh, all along? Uh, clearly she had it all along. But then the question is, did she just choose to show it at the end? Or did she actually go through enough personal growth where she said, this is, this is what I need to be, or this is who I am the whole time? Uh, or, or what? I mean, that's the question. And then the question is, is, if she only did really show it at the end, you can sort of see how handcuffed the producers were when they're trying to edit this season, where Jenna is just kind of bratting it through the first couple seasons and she's butting heads with Heidi or in with Heidi at at Christy who is our first deaf contestant like you could just see all these variables coming into play and they're like my god couldn't couldn't you give us more to work with maybe nope totally agree by the way I gotta give a special shout out to the scene right before they leave for the final tribal council where they take the boat and they douse it with lighter fluid or whatever or kerosene and they light it on fire and it almost explodes in Matt's face I I seems so weird when he, he loads up all this memorabilia from the camp and you know he puts it on this boat that was that they forgot to tie up and it's really kind of cheesy but uh yeah then he then he throws the kerosene on it lights on the fire and it almost takes him out I, I was thinking you you wonder why survivor never went back to the amazon I'm like I'm sure the you know the the people in the country that were watching the show like you guys were awfully cavalier with your use of fire in our sacred rainforest like you burn down your shelter, you have Matt explode, lighting exploding fireballs in his boat and sending it off into the river. Like, no thanks. I don't think you guys are coming back to the Amazon. Thank you. 
He didn't use the right wood, or he would have been fine. <laughs> yes. I mean, because that stuff over there, now that is dry. Yeah, well. <laughs> that is dry right there. That's some dry firewood. You know what I'm saying? Let me do a dance with them right now. Let me do it. Yeah. We go. Jay's determined to make this a thing. I'm not going to let this become a thing. <laughs> well, right. fuck you then. <clears throat> All right. I have to point out one little trivia note where right before they go to the final tribal council, Matt says, let's head out to our final TC. Which I think is the only time in Survivor history a player has called it TC and not Tribal. Which <laughs> yeah, I noticed it's just, that too uh, on my rewatch. TC, yeah. yeah. It's something that jumps out at me because Survivor fans for years would call it TC when they write about it on message boards and stuff. And I did that for years in my stories. And anytime I wrote about Survivor, I'd talk, I'd still call it the TC. But if you listen to Survivor interviews, the players always call it Tribal. So it's tribal. really jarring. Yeah, it's jarring when you, when you, uh, just listen to this episode and hear Matt call it TC. Like, what? Even, I mean, just yet another incident of Matt really not fitting in with other Survivor players. And he doesn't even use the right terminology. Yeah, and he didn't use the right terminology because this one is FTC. FTC, there you go. Way to go, Matt. Screwed it up. (laughs) Son of a bitch. All right, so we get to the final Tribal Council. You know what's going to happen. Jenna's just going to absolutely decimate him. And again, the way I look at the end of the season is, Everyone was gearing up for a Matt to win because he was, you know, dominating the challenges, dominating all the social stuff, giving away rewards. And then Jenna suddenly shows up and wins all these immunities at the end. And the jury's like, holy shit, our friend is in the jury. Jenna, one of us. They're like, yeah. And again, that's that's not bitterness. That's just how social survivor works. Like, you vote for the person you want to win. No one expected Jenna to win there, to get there. She comes out of nowhere, pulls off this great underdog story. They're all like, yay, our buddy. And they vote for her, which... Again, I don't think is unreasonable. That's just how Survivor works. But I think that's really the story of Survivor the Amazon. And, and I, I got to point out, of course... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and I think it's also that you have to extend a lot of, of credit to how she carries herself at the end of the game as far as tribal councils, and particularly that final tribal council, because, yes, she does get some friend votes there with Alex and Heidi, but you have someone you know, like Dave, who's who's kind of up in the air, doesn't really care for either of them, probably, but, you know, she handles this question really well, and and I think she handles herself in a better manner at the tribal council and trying not to hide behind, you know, being being full of integrity and all these different things. So I think a good combination happens for Jenna, the fact that she has built good relationships throughout she has a bit of an underdog story going for her and she she presents herself well at the end of the game and she emulates modern leaders that dave appreciates yeah <laughs> what a, i love with that whole thing there that I mean, it really is just like a super hard question to answer just to think of a modern leader that you emulated in the game of survivor what i love yeah. is that like matthew actually really tries hard to answer the question because with colin powell and everyone's just disgusted by it like oh god are you kidding me? you dick Colin Powell, fuck yeah. you. And then Jenna's like, um, I don't know any, but I'm like my mom. And they're like, yay. Yay, Jenna. <laughs> but I think it was a more honest answer. Yeah, um, I did too. It's just it, funny it, that yeah, the rocket scientist tries to throw out this extremely intellectual question. And the winning question was, you know, the winning answer was not to actually compare yourself to a modern leader. Yeah, well... I, I think that's a deceptively good question, I guess. Are we going to go in these in order, or you just want to just talk about it in general? Talk about it in general. Okay. Well, first of all, we get a moment, and you did mention this on the Funny 115, so kudos to you. But uh, again, this goes to Butch, who comes down and starts this question, and then Wood almost kills Butch. <laughs> Irony, when Butch is almost killed by firewood. <laughs> <laughs> we get the thing, and you hear, like, heads up. I think it's, like, Rob or someone. It's, like, heads up. Yeah. Was, or Alex. <laughs> and then like, you see Butch, like, oh, and then this, like, piece of wood falls, like, 
five feet from him. I mean, you know, the rainforest was trying to strike back. That's dry. That's dry right there. All right, I guess it's a thing now. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, it is. But, <laughs> but you know, Butch has the honor and integrity question, and, you know, they're both like, I've lied once insignificantly, which is, you know, hilarious shit. But, like, they... You know, I think that, you know, Dave did say, I, I always really enjoy, you know, you always talk about how you love the, the Rites of Passage walk, and, and, and I do too, but I really enjoy just the, the segment where the jurors talk right before tribal council that they don't yeah. do anymore. And I think that's really telling in a way, and not super obvious telling, but you can see Dina parsing how she's going to vote for Jenna over over Matthew, you know, without basically saying, I'm not voting for a dude. But, like, you, you, you can see sort of reasoning going on. Rob gives a real fun one. But I think Dave is just basically like, I want to hear some honesty. I've, you know, I've got a question. You know, and Alex says so, too. Like, I think they just, you know, I think Rob kind of created this, you know, with this bottom-feeding, you know, blindside over the top, blindside over the top, blindside over the top. I really think they just wanted to hear some truth. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that Dave's question is really, really uh, fun because he's basically asking this lofty question, but really he's just basically going to say, how are you going to do this? And Matt gives this diplomatic answer with Colin Powell, which if you weren't alive or relevant in 2003, 2004, Colin Powell was like all over the news. Like this is this is not, you know, this is not some obscure, you know, world leader or something like that. Like it was a very public figure in the United States <laughs> politics at that point. Like that is a really, really stock answer. And so like Matt gives the stock answer and everyone's like, you've got to be shitting me. Like even, even in retrospect, I'm like, Oh my God, Matthew, that is a terrible answer. <laughs> and then Jenna's just like, I don't know. I don't really know that stuff. Uh, you know, it's my mother and my mother's tough and, and I emulate my mother. And I'm like, that didn't answer the question, but it was a much better answer. <laughs> Jenna's mom. Yay. Yeah, it'd have been funny if, if like Matt had pulled out some obscure Civil War general just to be super pretentious and stuff. <laughs> Henry Heath, Henry Hill, or whatever that guy's name is. AP Hill, Henry yeah, Heath was a there general. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. And I knew you nerd would know that. Yeah, yeah, I do. Right. I do have a degree in it. He's right. more like Braxton Bragg, a Confederate defeat. Anyway, that's that's what I was thinking too. Of course you were. So Butch almost gets killed with wood. Dina goes up there and is basically like, last man, Matthew, really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get her vote. (laughs) Although we get to, of course, Heidi's famous jury question. This is one that's given people endless amusement for years now. Or Heidi's like, is there any juror up here who you think deserves to be in the final two? And they're like, Rob, 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 Rob. Is there like, like anybody else? Person? <laughs> I I think they covered it. Yeah, thanks, Heidi. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> in her defense, Heidi has said, I think I I, I I might misquote this, but she was trying to make sure. Uh, what was it that she wanted Jenna to get Dina's vote, and so she was trying to get Jenna to say Dina, not Heidi. So in Heidi has explained this, I think, in interviews. She's like, I'm trying to help Jenna to get her other jury votes. So I don't know if Heidi was necessarily trying to get her to say Heidi, but the way it comes off is so perfect for Heidi's character that I just have enjoyed propagating the myth over the years that Heidi is trying to get her to say Heidi. So we'll just stick with that story because it's funnier. Now, Mario, is the jury sequestered for Survivor Amazon? As far as they know, as I know they were. I mean, Sequestered, I mean, they were allowed to live together, which has always been the case in Survivor, but I, I believe they were not supposed to talk about who they were voting for at that point. I think that's how you'd define sequestered in Survivor history. Yes. Yes. That's as far as I know. It's someone, someone could prove me wrong. I wasn't there. I don't know, but that's what I've heard. It seems like there's a bit more sequestering, not so much like kept in isolation, but you know, the, the game talk is kind of put on, on hold quite a bit. Yeah. It's true. 
And of course, then we get Christie's vote. We'll come to that in a minute, Christie's final vote. But yeah, so basically they're all going to vote for Jenna. They come back to New York and do any more jury questions? I don't want to skip over anything else I'm missing. No jury questions, but let's talk about how the votes get to New York. Oh, yeah. Jeff on the water ski. <laughs> I was just watching it this morning right before the podcast tonight. And I, uh, I'm uh, watching it. And, you know, Jeff gets on the jet ski. He comes back and he comes to New York. And I just love, like, again, you. I hate to say you had to be there. But, like, you think in context of when Survivor Amazon came out. It was taped in 2002, released in 2003, I believe. So this is a year after 9-11. So, of course, the vote's in New York. Jeff has to come. And this is only a year after 9-11, New York City, of course. So, you know, Jeff goes to New York. And the first thing he has to do is go to the Statue of Liberty and pay homage. I'm like, come on. It's just, it just I laugh at it now. At the time, it was a big, nice moment. But it's just, when you watch it 10 years later, it's so corny that he has to stop and pay tribute and, like, stare in awe at the Statue of Liberty before he can come and deliver the votes. Which, to be fair, if you've been to New York... You know, the Statue of Liberty is a great sight to behold. Taking that ferry over to the Statue of Liberty at Ellis Island is something I would recommend to everyone. But yes, Jeff Probst, I'm going to get on a fucking jet ski out <laughs> in the Amazon, and then it's, I'm basically going to be jet skiing. Like, dude, okay, seriously, this is like, you know, passing a freighter. And, you know, like, there's probably <laughs> pirates on that freighter, Jeff. You know, don't keep going. But then, you know, he gets into the harbor, and he stops at, you know, the Statue of Liberty. And I mean, you're just sitting here like this isn't Jeff Probst's dick moment. This isn't Jeff Probst's creep moment. This is just Jeff Probst's what the holy <laughs> fuck is going on over here? Yeah. And again, I'm not entirely sure you were allowed to approach New York Harbor unannounced in 2002. There might have been some security problems. Yeah, there, there's there. laws against that. <laughs> you got to dig. Come on to get that clearance, Jeff. All right. So he comes in and he gets on the subway, right? Yep, subway. But there's no, like, I think before, wasn't he on, like, in Marquesas? Wasn't he, like, on the subway with the votes and everyone? But this one was just, you saw him go down, you saw him come up. Of course. And I kind of miss, I mean, those are so stupid, those little segues. But Survivor was kind of corny and stupid. It was corny, it just, yeah. It didn't take itself that seriously back then. It's just, I just, it's just, it's just, when I think of that era of Survivor, I think corny and stupid, but it kind of knew it, so it went with it. Even Ryan Aiken says in his thing that, the, what did he say, that the jet ski was pretty cheap. <laughs> that's right i forgot about that when ryan aiken is slamming you you've come to a new low when ryan aiken saw that jet ski he knew instantly it was a cheap one <laughs> yes smackdown all right so then we uh get in and and jeff asks him how many votes do you think you have in there and and matt says i think i have two votes i think i have butch and christy and what's funny is i think he was probably right and before we get to that did you see the pan in the audience there's a bunch of old survivors in that audience uh there's some ethan sitting next to amber amber yep there's hunter i saw right yeah yeah i believe if but i knew a lot of the big webmasters at the time are in the audience too if you scan by i mean i know mertz is in the audience he's right by the survivors yeah and you see yeah it's really fun the on those on those early seasons to, to the scan the audience you can see kind of the who's who of the survivor community at that point Little rowdy, and he has Butch and and and, and Christie's vote, but kind of not. But then Jeff uh, reads the votes out. But it's nice to see them all dolled up. We've we've been yeah. going through this 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 charade ever. You know, every, you know the first Survivor Borneo was read live. You know, at the time, and then Survivor Australia they had to dress in their clothes. And Africa they you know tried a seamless transition. And in Marquesas, Marquesas they got dolled up because they were out in in. Uh, for the Rosie reunion, but then in Thailand they did the live transition shot, which you were a part of. My God, you're so lucky. That's right. I got to see Fat Clay transition right there. 
<laughs> go from skinny clay to junky clay. But I must say, it is nice to see them, like, you know, in, in nice clothes and, you know, with, with, uh, with, with hair and makeup and, you know, not so, not so disgruntled looking. So, uh, you know, that was real nice. Especially when Matt and Jenna are practically doing it right there as they're revealing the vote. Even Jeff says, he's like, I'll let you guys get settled. I know, they're all over each other. I'm like, isn't this creepy Matt? Like, what's up with that, Jenna? Yeah, it's one thing I always remember about that finale, that these, you know, Jenna's kind of the awkward, you know, sorority girl, and Matt's the creepy one. And they cut to the finale, they're all dolled up, and they're practically doing it. They're, like, intertwined with each other, and she's got her, like, snuggled up against him. I'm like, whoa, 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 what happened here? Did I miss something? Yeah, she's about to win a million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Jeff pulls out the reveal, and what the holy fuck, six to one, Jenna. I... I mean, words even until uh, were, the votes started turning around, I thought, well, I remember even thinking, looking at Matthew, thinking he's the winner. Yeah, what was funny is all the spoilers that were out there, and again, this was the, the most spoiled Survivor season for a long time. Everyone knew that Jenna won since day one, but you followed the story, and it's like, no, Jenna can't possibly win with that story. Everyone thought that was following just the episode that thought that Matt won. So just, I, I just, if you read my uh, my running diary, it's like, I had no words. The words completely failed. I had no idea what to say that Jenna just won. It was completely incomprehensible. I was appalled at their audacity. Also, later on in his running diary, he compares the look of Matthew von Erkfelta to Dean Cain. Oh, oh really? My, oh, my God. Dean Cain. Holy 2003. Yeah, I was just thinking Adam Baldwin when I was watching it the other day. I'm like, he looks like the kid from My Bodyguard. So I don't remember the Dean Cain, but I'll, I'll trust you on that one. All right, so yeah, so Jenna wins. She becomes the first ever six-vote winner in Survivor history, which, if you were to think it Unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah, makes makes her the greatest winner in Survivor history up to that point. I mean, up until, I think, Earl. Was Earl the first unanimous winner? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, so up until Earl, she was the greatest Survivor. She got six out of seven votes, which is... Sandra got uh, it, too. I was just going to say. Do not cut her down. (laughs) Next season's going to, yeah. Okay, yeah, when I realized I I snubbed Sandra, I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) All right. Don't fuck with so, yeah, the so, queen. Yeah, we'll talk about Sandra. My apologies. So, yeah, so Jenna wins, and immediately that backlash starts. I mean, holy shit. People take into the message boards just to slam Jenna. Slam this season. Slam Survivor. Slam everything about it. Slam the jurors. How they're bitter little shits. How they how they didn't know anything. How, how could you reward her for being mean to the deaf girl? And then... And then comes people realizing, wait, Christy voted for Jenna to win. And that that took on a whole little thing on its own. And nobody wants to touch this one. <laughs> nobody wants to touch it, but I guess, well, here we go. People have probably been two hours into this podcast and, you know, two and a half into the previous one. So, you know, there are a good six, seven hours into us talking about Amazon. And, like, you know, the, the, the reader mail that you guys get come in, can I can only imagine that, you know, 70% of what people wanted us to answer is, what the fuck, did Christy vote wrong? So take it away, boys. <laughs> I will say this. I, I hate to name names, but it's going to be obvious who told me this because I've, I've kind of hinted at it before. But I had a couple Amazon players that I would talk to on email right after the season. They're not really allowed to talk much during the season, but afterwards you can talk to them. And one of the first things that some of them mentioned to me was, hey, we think Christy voted for the wrong person. And then I heard another one of the Amazon jurors 
you know, the Amazon jurors just got completely shit on. The audience, the Survivor Sucks in particular, message boards just came down on that Amazon jury. How could you idiots vote for Jenna to win? And one of the Amazon jurors went on Survivor Sucks. I'm not going to say their name. They went on and they logically defended their choice, why they voted for Jenna to win. They said, look, Jenna was a hard player. She was well-liked. She overcame a lot of adversity. Matt was nowhere near the hero that you saw in the episodes. But then even they pointed out, although... It's been a rumor among us that Christy voted for the wrong person because there's no way she would have voted for Jenna to win. So this rumor started almost since day one. And it's I mean, it's been out there for years. And I don't know. I can't tell you if it's true or not. I don't know. And I've had a lot of the Amazon jurors backtrack what they said over the years saying, oh, now I don't know. Now it was just a joke we were making. But at the time, a lot of them were mentioning this. They're like, there is no way that Christy would have voted for Jenna to win. Absolutely no chance in hell. And if you follow the storyline of the season, it backs that up. So, again, I hate to spread this one if it's not true because it's very cruel. But that has been the rumor over the years that Christy somehow miss, doesn't really wasn't a big Survivor fan. She kind of misinterpreted the instructions that you were supposed to vote for a winner, not a loser. And she thought she was voting out Jenna. So... Again, it didn't make any difference. Jenna wins one way or another without that vote. But this is something that has followed the ending of Amazon for years. And some of the names that were backing it up of the Amazon cast are the reason it's still out there today. Because there's some very prominent names that have backed it up. I guess there's no way to know. They never released those winner that winner voting footage. Yes. So. Yeah, that's something a lot of people don't know that. Every season in Survivor history, I don't know if they still do this, I don't pay attention that much, but for the first you know, 10, 11, 12 years, seasons, they would always release the final voting comments of people casting their final vote. It would be on CBS.com. Every season they'd release the final voting comments, why the people voted for the winner and you know who they voted for. Amazon, curiously enough, is the only season that CBS never released that footage. So no one has ever seen the voting comments for why people voted for Matt or Jenna to win uh, Amazon. And so that has fueled this conspiracy for years. I mean, that's, you could go on Survivor Sucks and mention it to any old timer and they know. They're like, yeah, CBS is hiding something about that Amazon. They don't want you to see something about that finale. So again, it's, I don't know if any of this is true. I'm just telling you what I've heard over the years and my feeling. And my feeling on this one has always been where there's smoke, there's fire, because there's been a lot of smoke on this one. There's a lot of smoke, and I and I think I agree with 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 those conspiracy theories. the The problem, of course, being ultimately, as you mentioned, is that I think the reason why this is so salacious is because it doesn't ultimately matter, right? Like it if, makes no difference, right? If Matthew did get Christie's vote, then Jenna wins five two, which is you know still an incredibly wide margin. So you know this didn't matter, and I mean uh, not to date this podcast much, but I. Am I to understand, didn't they just have, like, in Big Brother Canada, didn't uh, someone vote wrong and it actually, you know, affected the winner? It was the determining vote. And, the uh, determining the and, determining vote, yeah. right? And as soon as that happened, that's what people, people brought up the Christy thing right away. But, yeah, the difference with now is that it actually did affect, you know, uh, who won. But, it, but It did affect, and, yeah. and, it's, and it, clearly it was that the person voted wrong and they were like, yeah, I didn't mean to vote that way. And it's like, well... Okay, so but the Christie one's fun because because a Christie wouldn't have voted for Jenna. B it doesn't ultimately matter, and I think that the fact that CBS didn't release those voting confessionals, it, you know, combined with a lot of other things, really just sort of lends to that. Yeah, and again, this is one of those that if it's not true, and Christie has denied it over the years. She's, I mean, so you got to give her credit, and I, I hate to harp on it if it if it's not true and say it is. That's one of those things I've always I kind of resist talking about this one, but. Just if people always ask, this is a topic that always comes up. And it's funny, if you watch the reunion show, 
And Jeff asks, Christy, why did you vote for Jenna? And Christy kind of gives this really lame answer. I know Paul just watched it. Doesn't Christy like kind of stutter and say, oh, be, uh, she uh, outwitted like out 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 play and outlasted me. But that's nothing like what Christy's final words were. That is absolutely not the way that I think Christy would have voted. And especially when, and like the, you know, I really, for a long time, I, I haven't really put that much thought into it now that now that we're talking about this, I think about it even more, is I've always kind of given Christy the benefit of the doubt that she did come around and stuff. But what kind of gets me is that if she would have really had a positive reaction to Jenna in the final tribal council, then I'd be more likely to believe that, okay, well, she really did come to terms that it was a game and she got outplayed by her biggest adversary. However, in the tribal council, she uh, gets on Jenna's case for calling, uh, you know, ha- being beautiful a handicap and, like, mm-hmm. doesn't let that go. So that doesn't fall in line with uh, with how her, how she votes. Yeah, it's tough. And it's, I don't know, it's just one of those things that's, I don't like to talk about it too much, but... And again, a lot of the Amazon cast members, again, who were the first people to bring this up, they brought it up before any of the message board people brought it up. They would say, oh, yeah, that's the rumor among the cast that we think that happened. They have all backpedaled on that over the years, and they've changed their story. And to the point now where some of them will say, well, I don't even know. I don't know any more than you guys. So it's it's one of those things you'll never know. And it's just uh, we have to bring it up because so many people ask it. This is absolutely one of the most asked questions about the first six seasons. And there, uh, you know everything that I know. That's absolutely all my knowledge on the Christie vote for Jenna. If you ask my personal opinion, I think there's something to this conspiracy. This is one that I think there's a lot of uh, little, uh, let's say, circumstantial evidence that kind of points in one direction. Let's see, is that it? Do we have anything else really? To, I mean, one thing I wanted to make sure we talked about in this podcast, which I think we've done, is I really think the Survivor world owed an apology to Jenna. I mean, she took so much shit for her win that I don't think she deserved. I mean, like I said, the only reason people rank winners is so they could shit on Jenna. That's the only reason that whole thing started. Oh, Jenna sucks. I mean, that's why that started. And Jenna was not my favorite winner, but she was a winner of Survivor, and she should be treated with the same respect that all the other players do and and all the other winners do. And I think she has more now. I think it's changed, but there were several years there where her, Chris Doherty, Vesepia, I mean, just were routinely shit on. Just message boards. People would get on there just to talk about how those winners sucked. And I don't think that's fair because it's, t- it's hard work to win Survivor. So I know it's very ironic for me to be saying this because, you know, at the time I was one of the most widely read Survivor, you know, message board writers on the, on the, on the world. And I'm writing all these columns. I have all these readers. And Jay's reading my running diary right now where I basically take a dump on Jenna right at the end because I think she sucks and what a horrible ending. So, I mean, I'm as much as fault as anybody for spreading this. The Jenna sucks as a winner. But so I do think the world, the Survivor world's always kind of owed her an apology for not treating her win the way they treated some of the other wins. And I just wanted to get that out there. And um, yeah, and I, I agree that she has. I hope that I think hopefully over time the Survivor community has come to respect Jenna a little bit more. Um, but I mean, there are, there are so many people out there who who put so much value into you know people who win immunity challenges. And if you look at Jenna, she won four individual immunity challenges. I mean, I don't know exactly off the top of my head. It, that has to be one of the top, if not the top, record for female players in one season. So, I mean, that alone gives her some credentials to be, you know, to be a deserving winner. Jenna's great. And, and Jenna, I'm glad that Jenna won in retrospect. Not, not so much because, you know, I mean, the season doesn't make a hill of sense, really, when you think of a lot of things. But, you know, we've, we've had, you know, we keep talking about archetypes, right? Like Richard showed us how to play Survivor Checkers. We've had Tina that showed us that, you know, kind of an under-the-radar 
you know, or in, in she wasn't under the radar, even though she was on the on the television. But you know, just you know, middle aged mothers can win. Ethan, of course, was our first you know real good guy that won the game. We had Vesepia, which kind of sort of outsmarted the game. We had Brian Heideck, who was you know Mr. Freeze, one of the greatest to ever play, and Jenna won. And it's you know obviously Jenna was not like a master strategist, right? Uh, you know, and and Jenna wasn't super likable. So you know, what does Jenna fall into? But I mean, Jenna, you know, had a good series of of timed events that happened that went through but i mean it also showed that you know a, an attractive young female can win this game and it's i think that stuff like that is important for future characters and future parts of the season you know you need different people to win if it's always the same the same type of person that wins every season the the, the game's going to get stale so the fact that someone like jenna could win this game i think was a real huge boost for it uh, amazon was a great season with rob and i think that jenna even though it was a what the fuck winner like you know again the season holds up well on a rewatch. And I think that, you know, because someone like Jenna can win, I think that adds to the rewatch and it's just going to gain momentum for the season uh, leading into Pearl Islands as well. Yeah. The, the way I kind of look at Jenna's win, and it's a horrible comparison because this is another winner that gets shit on is Natalie White's win. And there's a great phrase I remember hearing when Natalie ended up beating Russell is that you don't have to dominate the game and vote everybody out to win. You don't have to beat 18 people. You just have to beat one person at the end. And that's kind of, it's, 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 I know a lot of people don't like that logic, but that's a very valid way of winning Survivor. Like, Jenna's like, I didn't have to dominate this game. I didn't have to be like Rob and screw everyone over and change the vote. All I had to do was not let Rob win. Yeah, let him do all this crap, but get to the end, I'm like, fuck you, Rob, I'm taking your win. So she, it's basically like, you don't have to dominate 18 or 16 people, you just got to beat one person, and it's just as valid a win as any other win. That's the thing with Survivor. That so many people do this. Oh, you have to control the game. You got to, you got to scheme. You got to strategize. No, you don't. You just have to not get voted out. So, it's just as valid a win to get to the end and then beat the mastermind as it is to be the mastermind. So I give Jenna full credit. That's, in my opinion, as valid a win as Brian Heideck's win, as Hatch's win. They're they're all the same. You were the one left standing at the end. Good job. I think you're right, but I think what people parse, and you know, a lot of people will parse it. Uh, you know, and and especially people who are big strategic heads, you know, people who listen to like the Dom and Colin podcast, it's it's not so much, you know, a, a win's a win, and I don't think that anyone's going to illegitimize a win. If you win, something went right for you, especially near the end. And as you said, I think you know, you really don't have to beat everyone; you have to beat one person. But usually, when people talk about like best players of all time, you know, or, or great players, I don't think Jenna's going to get a big mention, and I don't think that it's necessarily. Uh, unfair that she doesn't get a mention because, you know, there are players who win and there are players who didn't win who, you know, did manage to steer the game a little bit longer and, you know, take out a bunch more people and affect a bunch more moves than Jenna did. But you know what? At the end of the day, with the 16 people that went out in the format for Survivor Amazon, Jenna survived. And you always have to give her credit for that. Yeah. And again, I it's my opinion. I don't know this for sure. I think Jenna would have beat Rob in a jury vote anyway. I think you burned. son of a bitch. Really? Yeah, that's the thing. It's, I mean, there's no way to prove that. I've heard Rob himself change his stance on this over the years. Even people have asked him, like, I don't think she was a pushover at all. She had a lot of friends on the jury, and again, you think, yeah, Rob was very proactive in affecting the game, but Rob screwed over a lot of people. And Rob himself has even said at times, you ask him how close were you to winning. I've heard him on on his uh, podcast and message boards say, oh, I wasn't that close to winning. I mean, that's the thing. He knows that he had done a lot of damage to people that Jenna didn't do. So, I mean, again, I doubt Jenna and Rob ever would have been in the final three because there are two because they didn't want to see the, the other one in the final two. Matt was going to be there somewhere. But, I mean, it kind of comes into that next question. How close did Rob come to winning Survivor? And this is going to be a whole essay on itself, basically. 
I mean, even um, when when Jeff Probst asked at the reunion, you know, would that change your vote? You have Alex shake his head, nope, wouldn't change my vote if Rob was in the end. And you have Dina saying, well, you know, maybe. So it wasn't like a, a, a for sure thing, like it's kind of made out to be now. So, I mean, I guess we'll never know. Yeah, Rob, Jenna would have had Heidi's vote, obviously, and she would have had Alex's vote for sure. Like, mm-hmm. those two would have gone to Jenna. So Rob basically had to get four of the last uh, five votes, basically, you know, and, and the thing is, is Christy, that you never know. Christy screws up again. Well, <laughs> yeah, that is different. Chris, Chris, well, Christy and Butch vote for Rob, probably. So the three mm-hmm. votes that are up in the air are Matthew, Dina, and Dave. Dave. I'm missing. And, you know, I think bang that Rob's bang of rang. Hey, hey, sport. Hey, Dave Johnson. Sorry, I forgot about you. Wasn't on purpose, you know, but uh, I'll get these other dudes in line. So really the question is, wh- you know, where do they go? I think Dina ultimately votes Jenna for some reason. So then, you know, I but I think that Rob could, in theory, get Dave's vote and Matthew's vote. It just depends on, you know, what he did to Matthew. We'll never know. I don't yeah, you'll know. You'll never know. And but again, I, there's no way. Go ahead. It's close. It's close yeah. either way. Yeah, I just like pointing out there's no way Rob would have ever faced Jenna in the final two. So this is a good exercise, but the... Yeah, it's just, yeah. The bigger question is, do you think Rob could have won Survivor? I mean, I think he could have. I don't know if he was as close as people think he was, just because he had to win that final immunity. With Matt throwing it, it really puts the ball in Rob's court. Right, well, it's it's a tough, it's a tough theoretical, because you're saying, would Rob have won Survivor? If Rob is in a final vote with Matthew, Rob wins Survivor. And if Rob is in a final vote with Jenna, as we just enumerated, Rob has a chance, and a, and a, and a decent one, to win Survivor. But for Rob to be in the final with Matthew, Rob has to beat the final immunity away from Matthew and Jenna, which is difficult. Yeah, women always win those balance challenges, so that's the thing. Like, good luck. <laughs> well, you had to, you know, if you wait their chances going into that final three, like, you know, to me, I'm like, well, Rob's got the least chance of the yeah. three, and then Matt threw it. So it was like, well, there you go. Yeah. So, and again, this doesn't, and I. I don't want people to take this away. Take away from that that I'm saying anything bad about Rob as a player. I, I have been on record before saying, if Rob, I, have, I sometimes I'd even rank Rob as the number one most significant player in Survivor history. At least, oh yeah, can, is is this the time? Can we can we can we just pile on Rob right now? Can we do this? Let's just pile on Rob. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've gone on record as saying that you could divide Survivor into two eras: before Sesternino and after Sesternino, and that's how I how important I think he was to the legacy of yes. the show. So, when I say. I don't know how close he came to winning. That takes nothing away from the fact that when he went into All-Stars, he was legitimately seen as the best player in All-Stars. And that, I mean, not everyone would agree with that. But to me, I'm thinking, this guy is more dead meat than Hatch in All-Stars. He was so toast in All-Stars, it made no difference. Because that was his legacy, and I think he totally earned it. And it's one of these things where so many people nowadays, like Survivor has a new audience. It kind of turned over its audience around All-Stars where it got new people. So many people just know Rob from Rob Has a Podcast. They go, oh, this guy's great. He's a big fixture in the Survivor community because he runs a podcast. And I love his podcast. I'm a big fan of his. I've been on there a couple times. He does a great job. But Rob's legacy in the Survivor world, which, again, this is what I'm, I'm very protective of. That's why I do the Survivor historians. I want Survivor to be remembered in the right way that it developed as it did. I mean, I want it to be realistic. Rob's legacy is so much bigger than Rob Has a Podcast. It's ridiculous. Like, this guy was Survivor legacy, or like gold royalty. This guy was the absolute top of the line in Survivor characters in history way before there was a Rob Has a Podcast. So I just want to bring that to people's attention that this isn't just some funny guy that does a podcast. This is the guy that a lot of people thought did what Richard Hatch did and improved it and basically invented modern Survivor. So 
I mean, I had nothing but respect for Rob over the years. To me, he is maybe the most significant player in Survivor history. I mean, you you can tell his legacy almost immediately when you have Johnny Fairplay, who we're going to have a ton to say about um, here shortly. Um, you know, models his entire game after Rob Sesternino. So, yep. yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you said about, about the legacy that Rob left on the show. Yeah. I agree with both of you, and I will I will go on record on this podcast and say it. Rob Sestrino is the most important person to ever play Survivor. He completely changed the game. I mean, Richard Hatch taught us the game, and we've got some great characters that came out of those seasons before Rob, uh, Tina, Colby, Jerry. You know, Rob Mariano comes back for three more times and, you know, becomes the face of Survivor. But Rob C. is the important one. He taught us all what actually this game is capable of. It's almost like the, you know, that old adage of, like, you only use 10% of your brain, which we found out is not totally true. But it's, it's the fact that, you know, people were kind of, you know, just kind of playing 10% of what they could. You know, and Rob C showed us how to use the other 90% of this game. And uh-huh. it's it's where everything takes off. I mean, you know, they have this, they just came out with that Survivor Hall of Fame in 2010, and they've had, they had like a bunch in the opening class, and Rob C wasn't included. And I was insulted by that. I think Rob C is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is the most important person the show has produced. Added on to the fact that he's super funny, gives great confessionals, and does all of that TV stuff really, really well, too. Yeah, this is a, just a kind of a personal note outside of Survivor. Like, I, I've known a lot of Survivor alums over the years. I've exchanged emails with them, and I, I kind of try to keep my distance I because I was a writer for years. I didn't want to be friends with the Survivors because you can't write about stuff objectively if you're friends with them. And this is why, to this day, there's a couple Survivors I would just absolutely almost pass out if I ever met in person. Like, Tina Weston, I was such a big fan of Tina's. Like, I almost don't want to meet Wait, her. Wait, you, you were? Don't... Really? Yeah, yeah I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. And Gene, of course. But uh, no, Tina. But but uh, Rob Rob was a reader of my column, and from minute one, I'm I knew this guy was a reader because we're exactly alike. I mean, I'm like, this is me ten years. He's like ten years younger than me. I'm like, this is exactly what I would have been like if I'd been on Survivor ten years ago. So I could just tell from the way he phrased stuff on TV, the way that I wrote about stuff in my column, we'd have a similar sense of humor. And he confirmed that later that he you know he wrote me after the season said, oh yeah, I read your column all the time. We should meet up. We should talk on the phone. And we have a great story. The first time. Rob ever called me on the phone. I was I was feeding my my daughter. I think she or my son was like six months old. So I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Rob. I can't talk right now. I have to feed my son. Bye. And so we got. All, he thinks that's funny. He just he remembered that. But what I, what I wanted to say is that I became fr- friends with Rob over the years, and we worked on projects together. People don't know that he kind of worked. He was a ghostwriter on some of my projects. He did it under a pseudonym that a lot of people don't know. He kind of wrote for my stuff. He helped me out, but. One point, I was I was trying to make it kind of as a survivor writer, trying to get some some kick in the world. It's like, like I've been writing all the stuff. I want people to take me seriously. I kind of had a limited audience, but I was trying to get a bigger audience. And and Rob wrote me a quote for one of my columns where he said, "In my opinion, Mario Lanza is one of the foremost survivor experts in the world." And like, do you know what kind of what kind of impact it has for Rob to say that about you? Like. Uh, it just that absolutely gave me so much credibility as a writer. I've never been able to thank him for that. And to this day, like I cannot thank him enough for someone of his stature. That's this would be like Richard Hatch saying, "Oh, I love right reading Mario's work because he really understands Survivor." To see it, have Rob say that, that is such a big deal. So I just always wanted. He's such a good guy in real life. He's just 
he is a fan. He's not like a Colby who just wanted to be a movie star, just showed up on Survivor. Like Rob was just a internet uh, reality TV fan. You can't even call him a Survivor fan. He was a reality TV fan. He got on the show and he never really forgot his roots. He was still a, a, a Survivor message board guy, a fan who just happened to be on the show. So he has been very good to the community over the years. He's a really nice guy. And again, I can't thank him enough for the kind of the seal of the stamp of approval he gave me many years ago in my writing that if rob vouches for you as a writer as a i mean that that's the kind of impact he had on the survivor world what he said that is what survivor is he understood survivor better than anybody at the time i don't think there's a better ambassador for the show than rob c at least in the the more fan community of it is Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that there's good ambassadors. Like, I actually think that Boston Rob's a pretty decent ambassador for just, you know, uh, Survivor as a whole and, you know, for all all fan bases and, and whatnot. But I think that Rob C being, you know, not not just having Rob has a podcast and, you know, all of that reality TV empire, but just the fact that, you know, he's kind of the main conduit, you know, that he can, you know, he can kind of pull these survivors and get interviews. You know, he goes to those events and, you know, does interviews there. I think that he is the absolute perfect person for it, uh, personality wise and just stature wise. So, uh, you know, I, I give him all the kudos that he continues to do so because I think he's absolutely perfect. Okay. Well, we'll get to this more on all stars. People ask me why I hate all stars so much when all stars was announced. And I saw that Rob was in the cast. My heart just sunk because I knew what was going to happen. The, I mean, he was considered the greatest survivor. Not, not just the best survivor who didn't win, but maybe the greatest survivor. I'm like, this guy is so dead meat in All-Stars because he's not a big challenge threat. He is fresh in people's mind. Richard was old by then. Like, Rob was the hot new thing in Survivor. And All-Stars was only a season and a half after. I mean, right after Amazon. I'm like, my heart sunk for Rob because I kind of talked to him before All-Stars and I knew he thought he had a chance in All-Stars. He thought... He would kind of. I would, he was reading my stories for kind of research on how an All Stars would play out, and I was kind of talking to him, and I could see he thought that he would be given a fighting chance on All Stars, and I, I could just see it. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. I could, I knew what was going to happen. They are going to backstab and humiliate him the first chance they get, and that's exactly what happened. And that's maybe one of the top two or three most heartbreaking things I've ever seen on Survivor, which was Rob getting blindsided in All Stars and just seeing his legacy just crushed. I mean, you could see it in his face, and again. There's so many reasons I hate All-Stars. That is number one on my list is what it did to Rob Sesternino, and it just kills me. Well, I'm sure I once think... we get to All-Stars, we'll have to we'll repile on Rob. Oh, God, yeah. All-Stars is just an, an abortion of a season. All right. Um, uh, we, we didn't really have a lot of time for uh, listener questions, but this is already a two-and-a-half-hour, maybe almost a three-hour podcast. Yeah, we're closing well, in on three hours here. Yeah, what we're going to do, for, we've been real lazy with our listener questions. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do Pearl Islands next. We're gonna wait, do wait, 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 wait. So people are writing you questions and you're ignoring them? Fuck the both of you. Seriously. Oh, I'm Jay, I get, I get, oh, Jay, you do not get lots of reader email. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that was my Eric Cartman. <laughs> wow. Oh, I, that was I a see, horrible impersonation. Oh, I see you do not get lots of reader email. Yeah, um <laughs> that was a very lazy Cartman. But yeah, we get lots of email, Twitter questions, and we've been real lazy with getting to them. What we're gonna do is we're gonna do Pearl Islands next, three parter, and then we're gonna do a whole podcast just on listener questions for all the seasons prior to All Stars. So we won't ignore any questions then. So if you have stuff to us, just wait for after Pearl Islands. We'll just submit it all in one big batch and then we'll get to them. So do you guys have anything more on uh Amazon? No, I mean, I really hope that we did the season justice and just, you know, I think it's just incredible now, even even going through it all. We said it's at the beginning of it, too, but just think back at, at all these huge characters that are, are from a season that really never lived again. 
you know, with with the early mm-hmm. departures of Rob and Jenna in in All Stars, um, the fact that we can talk this much about about people that we never see come back and succeed again is, uh, you know, it, it's a fantastic season and very important. You know, with with the help of of Rob and how the season played out, very important to the Survivor franchise as a whole. So, nothing but respect and love for Amazon minus Gene. <laughs> Fuck you. No, I was going to say, at the reunion, she's so annoying when uh, they ask her about, you know, the, the split going on between the younger, prettier, girl, prettier girls and her, and her response is, I didn't know that was going on because I was working so hard. I just want to, like, push her off the back row of that, of the stage. Can we just disconnect Paul's microphone right now? I'm getting yeah, sick okay, of Okay, I'm done. That's the last thing, that's the last time I'll mention her name. She who will not be named. You would you would feel differently if she added, and we were playing hard. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> All right. I got nothing left to say about Amazon. It's a fun season. It's a significant season. I mean, there are very few seasons more significant. It was a unique season. I mean, that's one of the greatest locations. They never went back there. It's just, I got nothing bad to say about Amazon other than they didn't tell the story correctly. The editors just mucked it up enough not to rank it in my top uh couple seasons I, I would rank pearl islands and marquesas are my two favorite then i had kind of have amazon and vanuatu just a little lower but that's the only thing that keeps amazon from being an absolute top tier season for me right but i think that you know paul brought up a point and i think i mentioned it somewhere else is really sort of nerve-wracking to prepare and do the survivor historians podcasts for a season that people have actually one watched and two <laughs> enjoyed so yeah. you know there is that and and i i hope that we've done it a little bit of justice and and uh, i can't imagine many people listening to our podcast that haven't gone back and watched survivor amazon but you know what there may be and uh, if you are going back i mean obviously i i always suggest uh going back and doing the uh, seeing the seasons in order because they actually make sense in order but if you're not going to if you're just going to say i don't have time i'm only going to go back and watch one of these early seasons amazon's a really good one you're going to learn a lot you're going to see some great characters it is just a fantastic season uh from pillar to post um and i would basically say it's probably the most popular and and most accredited uh of the first uh seasons of survivor except we're gonna get there oh yeah Pearl Islands. Wow, you ain't seen nothing yet once we get to Pearl Islands. This is absolutely my favorite Survivor season, so we have a lot to look forward to on this one. <laughs> it's my favorite, too. I don't think it's Paul's. I think Paul said Australia is his favorite, but uh, I mean, it's got to be high for you, Paul. Yeah, of course. There's, I mean, so much, so much goes on in Pearl Islands. I can't wait to dive into it. I'm sure there's something Trish did that just pissed you off. No, I love Trish. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> all right so so, so are think, we all, wait wait who's who's our punching bag gonna be i mean lil's the obvious one but oh it, come on how could it be anybody but lil well it could be sean right I've actually, <laughs> i don't think i've ever met anyone who um who i've i mean i don't really like lil that much but i like like her more than anyone else i've ever met so i'll probably be sticking up for lil uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out an interesting dark horse here dara get ready for some dara jokes uh, i can jump on board with that well, it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be good to do a podcast that lies, but also tells the truth too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when we start this uh, Pearl Islands podcast, it's going to be like, oh shit. <laughs> oh, oh my god, the running gags. I can't even. Like my head's exploding. But yeah, anyway, we are. We got to eulogize Amazon first. <laughs> I think we did it. Uh, long live Amazon. It died. It will be remembered. Rip Amazon. You were great. Hallelujah! Oh glory. Well done. <laughs> so we got to uh, sign off, right? Yeah, that's it for Survivor Amazon. I am Mario Lanza. 
I'm Paul, and I'm going to go tell my mom right now that I played really good during this podcast, and I gave up a lot of stuff for other people. And I'm Jay Fisher, and uh, just got to say, it was uh, it was pretty good hanging out with all you guys. It was uh, it was gas. You know what I have to say? Booyah. All right, talk to you guys later. Bangarang. 11th person voted out of the tribe, the fourth member of our jury, Christy. The tribe has spoken. Having said all of that, the thing that's still on my mind is Christy. What the heck is going on? Let's just take one more. Remember, you swore you would never ever vote. Let's play that whole clip one more time. I didn't deserve Rivarta out. I didn't. I'm going to make sure those freaking evil stepsisters of mine are not going to win the million dollars not gonna happen <laughs> but it did so what what happened with you why the change of heart she outwent outlasted and outplayed you 